Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I feel the need to point out that the plural is not Avatar the Way of Waters, but it's Avatar the's Way of Water. <laughs> Joining me today is Divinder Hardwar. I can't wait for Avatar 3, The Rage of Fire, and Avatar 4, The Air Upon Us. I see what you're doing, David Cameron. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I'm Jeff Kanata, and I just want everyone to know... I accept your apology. <laughs> well, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Avatar The Way of Water, the new film by James Cameron. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com and find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. Today, it is our 700th episode. Whoa, of what? Of we made Seven, it. 700 episodes, not counting bonuses and after darks. Um, and I thought we should take a moment to reflect on that. So we're going to do that at the beginning of the show. And then it's going to be an avatar extravaganza. An avixcanza. <laughs> an avixcanza. Uh, where we're just going to dive into Avatar The Way of Water. We're going to uh, talk in depth about our thoughts on seeing the film, the format of, that we saw the film in, the plot, the stories, the themes. Could All there I be? Could there be a more perfect movie for the 700th episode of the film cast? It's all led up to this moment. <laughs> it was meant to be. <laughs> I just uh, want to thank I, you know, just right away. I want to mm -hmm. thank James Cameron for delaying the movie enough times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that it worked out to be yeah. the 700th yeah. episode. I mean, it was it's a very a generous thing for him of to us do. Waiting for this movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so let's let's start just by reflecting briefly on 700 episodes. I mean, uh, I want to start by saying, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought, guys? <laughs> Can't that imagine we'd, that we'd yeah. ever make it to 700 episodes. Pod podcasts who'd die every day, you know, <laughs> left and right. Who'd have thought? Who'd have wanted? Who'd have wanted? <laughs> who'd have wished? <laughs> who'd have ever? Uh, who, who's paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> Why haven't people stopped us yet? Legally, it should be not allowed that we are continuing. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I am extremely grateful uh, to our listeners and especially to our patrons who really stepped up and made sure that we could continue doing this podcast long after we uh, the desire to keep doing it faded away. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, the, the, yeah. you know, we say it a lot, but it, it bears repeating it here on 700 is this show probably wouldn't have made it to 700 if it wasn't for the Patreon. 100%. 100%. Oh, absolutely. So and, thanks to all the patrons yeah. at patreon.com slash film podcast for making it happen. But go ahead, Jeff, finish what you're saying. No, I, it, it's just an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that people value uh, this show as a part of their lives enough to give their dollars to it. And mm -hmm. uh, the fact that we get to keep making it uh, in an uncertain economic environment is, yep. uh, is, is incredible. And um, I will tell you guys, I know that you know this, but I'm going to repeat it again too. This is some of the best hours of my week, getting to hang out with you two and laugh and disagree and uh, celebrate movies and all the things that we get to do just just by virtue of the fact that people care enough to hear our voices in their ear holes yes, you know totally. it's, absolutely it's and, and that statement is either a 
strong testament to the beauty and strength of this podcast or a stirring indictment about the rest of Jeff's life. You know, uh, it, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that goes, that goes for all of us. Devinder, what are you going to say? It goes for all of us, but also uh, disagreeing. I love disagreeing with people in, in a in a way that is fun and engaging and you know it doesn't feel mean and i've always enjoyed that i also do what it's like to do podcasts where you, where you don't feel great with people so you know <laughs> we've kept it going because something mm. here is working right clearly yeah, yes <laughs> i mean yeah there's there's something about the dynamic that people keep coming back for and uh, re- really appreciate that you know i was reflecting on when i was about to go see avatar the way of water which is right around like a week before jeff canada saw it. oh i'm sorry i didn't oh, look come on <laughs> I'm just I'm playing because we've all seen it, Jeff. So it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore, right? It, doesn't it matter. still stings somehow. <laughs> it will sting forever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was reflecting on how I was actually really excited about it because um, one of the first experiences I ever had as host of the film cast or the slash film cast back in the day was going to Comic-Con. And watching James Cameron present the very first footage for Avatar 1 in, I think it was, I guess, 2008, maybe 2009 at that point. Jeff Kanata, were you in Hall H at that time? I was. (laughs) Were we we not sitting together? We might have been sitting together. Mm, I think we were. Here's what I remember about the footage, okay? I'm pretty sure it was uh, one of the first times, it was like the first time that Jake and Natiri met. Mm-hmm. Was no, it was the play. scene. It was the scene where Jake wakes up in the uh, as an avatar for the first time, smashes up the thing, yep. and runs yep. out oh, and yeah, yeah. finds Sigourney Weaver. That's the okay, scene. Yeah, yeah. so fair, yep. fair enough. It was it was like one of the early on in the film. That's what I remember. And um, and I remember it being between ten and twenty minutes long. The yeah. footage, and we got to the end of the footage, and everyone was like pretty amazed by it because it looked pretty cool at the time. And still yeah. does. They they passed and, out 3D glasses and presented right, it in 3D. Right. It was cool. And then yeah. James Cameron was like, how cool was that? And then he's basically like, do you want to see it again? Let's play it again. And <laughs> we literally then just played the 10 to 20 minute footage again. Which, by the way, you know, um, I, I certainly at the time, I don't know what the practice is now, but they might show a trailer, like a one minute trailer. And then they'll be, they'll be like, do you want to see it again? And then they play the one minute trailer again. James Cameron <laughs> is the one that's like, 10 to 20 minutes of footage. We're going to see that whole thing again. Yeah. And also, I don't want to talk to you nerds for, for that long, <laughs> for this entire hour. So the movie did the talking. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but it does feel fitting that, uh, uh, you know, this is our 700th episode to review a sequel that at many, many points in time, we did not know if it would ever come out. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it's nice that it, it finally has come out. I was sad to see that James Cameron couldn't go to the premiere that he spent a decade of his life working towards man uh because he got covid which yeah. is really really sad um mm-hmm. but hopefully the adulation that is being heaped upon the film even as we speak now uh, yeah. will be enough consolation he he, he um, can once again tell himself he's the king of the world because i do think um a lot of things we were worried about maybe don't prove true with this movie so yeah yeah well let's once see again. we haven't got we haven't gone to the review at davindra so uh yeah we'll, we'll see, see we'll that. see we'll maybe see. maybe some people are just uh maybe some people on the podcast might disagree with me with the consensus putting down yeah it's true the uh, uh the 700th though <laughs> i right before we started recording yeah. i asked you if you knew yes. the episode that i became a regular on the show yes and i wish what we had done is you had asked me to guess that because I didn't mm. know it offhand. Mm. And you 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 looked it up. Yeah. 
It's a much smaller number than I would have guessed. It is. Okay, so here, you know, I want the listeners at home to play along, okay? Like, what is the episode at which you think Jeff Kanata became a permanent third co-host of the podcast? Uh, I'll give you a second to just lock in your guesses, and I'm going to reveal the actual <laughs> number in like five seconds. But uh, what is the episode at which Jeff Kanata became a permanent third co-host? It was on June 5th, 2014, we published episode 275, reviewing Doug Lyman's film Edge of Tomorrow. The full eight years ago. Man. So we, there's been more episodes with me than without me, guys. I think it's interesting. Like people still think of you as like the new co-host. Or I the still more think recent, of me that way. Yeah, the more <laughs> recent co-host. But there's now been significantly more episodes of, with you on it yeah. than uh, without you on it. And, uh, and you know, Jeff, it, uh, it raises uh, – like thinking about this also before the podcast where we started recording, raises the specter of another – situation which is that there will soon be more years i've been doing this podcast in my life <laughs> than years <laughs> where i haven't been doing the podcast uh, so i mean that's going to be a while yeah but yeah. you know you're, you're really going to the longest timer there <laughs> the longest countdown for yourself I, I mean it's not that it's not that much longer but anyway uh yeah i mean we've only <laughs> <laughs> You're more than 20 years old, Dave. I'm yeah, sorry to tell you. Are we going? <laughs> I'm 20 years old in my heart. Okay? Yeah. I'm 20 years old in my heart. Well, anyway, I just wanted to take a moment to pause and reflect on the fact that uh, we've been doing this for a really long time. We're grateful to be able to keep doing it. Grateful to our listeners, grateful to our patrons, uh, and of course, grateful to each other. Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, but anyway, that's not why we're here to talk today. We're not here no. to just... We're not here to wax poetic about the history of the film cast. We are here to talk about the new, what's coming next, the cutting edge. We're here to talk about Avatar, The Way of Water. Dad, I know you think I'm crazy. But I feel her. I hear her heartbeat. She's so close. So what does her heartbeat sound like? Mighty. This is the film cast. We are about to dive into our review of Avatar The Way of Water. What we're going to do is we're going to start by talking about the format in which we saw the film. Then we're going to talk about overall thoughts. And then we're going to try to do as detailed of a plot breakdown as we can. So let's get into it, folks. Uh, before we even talk about anything about the story of this movie or how much we enjoyed it, I want to talk about the format. Now, I saw this movie in 3D Dolby Atmos. With a so variable, with a variable frame rate, Jeff. Did you so see I, it? In, you, you that's saw, the way okay. I saw it as well. In and, fact, the longest yep. I've ever driven to a press screen, and they went, they did a, a theater that they don't usually use, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, drove drove quite a ways to get there. But it, it definitely had a variable frame rate, which I noticed quite frequently in the movie. Uh, and so Devendra, specifically, yeah. The so I also saw it that way at the uh, the AMC Lincoln Square. Pretty much my favorite theater on earth. Actually, I was in New York for three days. 
I managed to see Avatar 2 yes. at that theater. So, yes, that worked out. Uh, but I also thought the Dolby Theater there, too. It's variable frame rate, so but to be clear, it is using the 48 FPS high frame rate format in some scenes, and then it goes back to 24 FPS in other scenes. And the way he did it is kind of ingenious, too. So it's all very cool. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to start by asking you guys, what did you think of the variable frame rate? It sounds like you really enjoyed it, Devendra. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, I've written about this stuff before. If you look my look at my work in Engadget, uh, my write-up of Gemini Man, where I talked to Ang Lee about how he implemented high frame rate stuff. People have done this before. It's mainly been <laughs> Gemini Man, and it's been The Hobbit, and uh, also Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. So Also not, the uh, Avatar re-release, if I'm not mistaken. Also the Avatar uh, re-release, yeah. which I now realize I did not see in high frame rate, even though you, you could kind of tell in some sequences. But... I, I think this technology is really interesting. I think it has a lot of problems and I think this is probably the best use of it yet, even though it is not seamless like at all, because at times this movie will be in beautiful, silky 48 FPS and everything looks super smooth and beautiful. And, uh, and then it, like in that same scene, it will cut down back to 24 FPS uh, people talking and the issue with high frame rate that people have had since, um, since the Hobbit and since Billy Lynn is that scenes with people just talking, look look uncanny like they look hyper real in a way that you're like the magic of movies is gone and that's always been a complaint the good part of high frame is that for uh, fast action especially with 3d and things like that like you will not get everything looks super smooth you don't get the strobing or juddering that you get um with uh panning the camera things like that like everything just looks good this movie tries to balance it i think i think it worked for me but it also takes some time to get used to because typically in these things, like your brain is like, okay, this looks wrong. This looks wrong. And 15 minutes in, it gets used to it because it goes back and forth. You're, you never really get that yeah. time to be like, oh, I am in the view of this movie. So I think there is work that needs to be done there, but it's uh, it's the best implementation of HFR I've seen yet. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on the high frame rate or variable frame rate that you experienced? I agree with Devendra. I, you know, I'm, um, I think the, the ideal is that you don't notice it as, at all. And that is not what happened. I noticed it absolutely mm -hmm. almost every time. I mean, I have no idea how many times there are in the movie, but frequently I noticed it. Um, and I think that the goal would be that it, 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 it is not, it doesn't present itself necessarily. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I thought it worked really, really well because it kicks in in those very kinetic sequences, high action moments. And having just watched the re-release of Avatar in theaters in 3D, there are sequences, you know, the sequence where Jake Sully is running from the, that panther in the, in the, mm -hmm. in the forest that are uh, almost too, too hard to follow in 3D on a big screen at 24 frames per second. Yep. But when it kicks in, and you, you notice when it kicks in, but when it kicks in, everything is clear, crisp, you follow the action, it works, and I think it's useful, even if it's noticeable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and what's going to be foreshadowing for the rest of this review, I think? Uh, I thought the... I, I have seen your Mastodon toot, Dave. <laughs> thank and you, thank you. I, am... I thought the implementation yeah. was uh, disastrous. I, uh, I thought it was awful. I, I, honestly, at many times where I was watching this movie, I was like, I wish I could leave this theater and come back and watch it in like all 24 frames per second. Right, right, right. Um, every time the frame rate changed and it, it changes, I would estimate 
at least 100 times during the course of the movie. Yeah. Um, Frequently within it, a scene. Within a scene, yeah. mid-scene. Wow. You're, like, yeah. shot, reverse yeah. shot. You're, the reverse shot is, you know, a high frame rate. And the, you know, going back is not. Um, every, every time it happened, <laughs> it ripped me out of the movie. Like, I was yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. I, I so wish I could just go back and, like, rewatch. And, in fact, I, you know, as we're recording this, we're recording this on Tuesday before the movie has come out. So uh, I am so curious that like we don't know anything about mm-hmm. what the audience's reaction is going to be to this, how people are going to write about it and talk about it. I, um, I've seen a lot of critics. I've seen some people say it looks great. And yeah, I've seen some people complain right. that it's the worst thing they've ever seen. And, and I, I know some people it's like, be, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, when I shared about this uh, online, because we were, we were allowed to share very brief reactions mm-hmm. to the film prior to now. And um, some people are like, hey, thank you for letting me know, because like that, that what you're describing would make me dizzy or would give me a, you know, uh, sure, like would have an effect on me. I would also um, say, I think people should try it. I yeah, think yeah, you I, should try it. Well, OK, so like, even here, if it sounds bad. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. So like I like your mileage may vary, as you can hear from just the three of us, your mileage may vary. Here's what I'm going to say. The underwater stuff, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's stuff in this movie that happens underwater. There are whales. Looks amazing, incredible. And like it's yeah. just like oh my, this is like when I saw it, I was like, I understand why he wanted to do high frame rate. Like this is the reason. Like it looks so good in high frame rate, and I wish they had taken a different approach. Like um, like Chris Nolan, you know, with uh, his IMAX stuff. Like he'll shoot an entire scene mm-hmm. with IMAX full format. And then, like, it will go back to the rest of the movie, and then it's like, okay, it's not so an action scene anymore. You would rather anymore. want less of the back and forth and a yeah, scene I'd rather like here's of, here's okay. an action scene. It's all gonna be in high frame rate, you yep. know, like that yep. would have been fine with me. But like the way it's implemented, mm-hmm. I just thought was was mm-hmm. it, it literally like in my opinion ruined my first viewing. It, of it this takes movie. you out ah, of the movie. So it does take you out of the movie, and I heard that from many many people. Um, the thing is, I have you seen any other high frame rate movies, Dave? Uh, the Hobbit, yeah, saw the oh, Hobbit. Oh yeah, you saw the Hobbit. But but, but uh, I think mm-hmm. here's a, here's another here's another thing I'll say is, uh, I, I have spent the last couple of years, like, starting to value 60 FPS in my video games. Like I, like sure, you know, like I got a sure. 30 RTX 3080. Like I enjoy PS when I'm playing PS5, I always put it on performance mode. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so I can tell the difference between yeah. 60 frames per second. We, and, as a culture, else. we yeah. we are we want 60 FPS. I'm looking well, at a lot of YouTubers now. They're shooting in 4K 60 FPS. And you you say that yeah. because many people who like leave motion smoothing on their TVs, they don't even know the difference. You know, so like there's many people out. I, I doubt they listen to this podcast. Uh-huh. But if you are out there and you don't care, or that kind of stuff doesn't bother you, like motion smoothing doesn't bother you, you can't tell the difference. Or they like it. Or, they, I, or you like it, like it, or you like it, like then, the then you'll probably yeah. you'll probably enjoy the implementation in this film. So your mileage may <laughs> I vary. Like all I can do is couches it as if you have bad taste. No, I didn't say you have bad taste. I just said if you <laughs> if you leave motion smoothing on your TV, if you you don't pay attention, if you don't listen to this podcast, maybe you'll like it. That's exactly how you framed it. Happy seven hundred episodes. Left. All right. Uh, Let's take a quick break uh, for sponsors. We'll be right back with more conversation about the format of Avatar and then dive into the film itself. Let's take a break for a moment and talk about life insurance. If you are listening to this Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance sponsorship ad, there's a good chance that you're alive. And if you're not, well, this may not be of interest to you. Now, I know what you're thinking. Life insurance? I'm going to live forever. Death is what happens to other people. Well, for the sake of argument, let's assume you're wrong. 
and that someday you won't be listening to podcasts anymore. I know it's not easy to talk about, so I'll do the talking. If you're 50 plus and alive, or 50 to 75 in New York, you can apply for Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance with guaranteed acceptance regardless of your health. And since this life insurance is guaranteed, you don't have to get a medical exam. In fact, you don't even have to fill out a health questionnaire. For a free quote, just visit GerberLifeFamily.com. Then when you stop, I mean, you know, if you stop, listening to podcasts, your family can use the insurance money to help cover your final expenses or anything else. Your kids already inherited your ears, allergies, and questionable singing voice. Don't make them inherit your final expense tab too. See the website for terms and restrictions. So <laughs> I'm not trying to be insulting of the audience, <laughs> I, but I, I legitimately I know, know there's, there's people who like just... I think you know. there's a big, I think, honestly, I think it works really well for the action se scenes. And I mm -hmm. think it works really poorly for dialogue scenes, mm -hmm. which is what we've said. And that's exactly how it's implemented. That's like, not exactly, that, I don't think well, that's accurate. Like it will, uh, there's shots in the action scenes yeah. that are at 24 frames per second. Like that's the problem. It's very, it's very weird. Like yeah. maybe it would have been better just to like do a whole scene at 48 FPS, but also watching anything in high frame rate with people just talking it's weird as hell yeah it is, it, if it's it, just like it, static things it's the it's, problem with the hobbit like the hobbit yeah. is oh yikes why did they yikes. shoot this on video when you know mm -hmm. yeah and the thing with the hobbit is that peter jackson never like shifted the way he was shooting to take account for like the hyper realism 40 mm -hmm. fps so all the sets looked bad all the costumes yeah. looked awful right. and maybe with a movie like this it's less of a problem if it's all artificial. Um, so they have made some progress there, but it still that, looks bad for dialogue. I, I yeah. think that's a great point, Devendra, which is that like the best that high frame rate looked in this movie is way better than anything I saw of high frame rate in The Hobbit. Like for sure, for sure. Just in terms of like how it feels and how it looks and and mm -hmm. kind of the texture of it, you know, like. And there's never I, a it, moment that's equivalent where I'm watching characters that I'm supposed to think are. In a, in a movie and it looks like I'm watching like a bad video right. of right. them. You know, that, right. that never yeah. happens in this movie. So. Yeah, the few, the few times we get live action people, they're in like sets that are probably built to, to uh, you know, take into account that these cameras are looking at things at a higher, you know, higher mm -hmm. refresh rate. Um, one thing I want to mention, there is a movie that actually took high frame rate even further. The the best way to see Gemini Man, which I think nobody was really ever able to see, yeah. was 120 FPS, right? 4K Jeez. 3D, and um, I was yeah, I was probably lucky enough to be one of the few people to see that at the Dolby Screening Room in New York. But that looked incredible. But I can't. I can tell you it looks good, but you won't believe the problem me is until you see it. Yeah, more frames. More, more. Not, it's not that it's not that 60 is too many. It's that it's not enough. It's not enough. Well, uh, there, uh, there are choices we need to make. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say this. Like, I appreciate like, you know, there's this idea of, oh, it, it should be 24 frames per second. And th that's what cinema is. And we should never try to change it. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily agree with that. I appreciate that people like Ong Lee and James Cameron are being like. 24 frames per, se per second can't hold me back. I need to do more than that. I need to try more. Why Why shouldn't cinema evolve? And I'm not opposed to that. But at the same time as I feel that way, I just can't imagine 
that this is what he thought was the ideal. Like they probably just ran out of time rendering frames is my get like you know like i can't imagine that he wanted to shift back and forth this often dude he's been talking about this for years i look back to articles in 2016 and he's like ang lee no 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 don't don't do that ang lee because he's saying his thing is high frame rate is a tool not a format and that is a quote he's been saying forever and ever so he wants Mm. to use it like 3d right he doesn't seem like a guy who's big on compromise well jeff like my understanding is this movie was finished literally weeks ago sure weeks ago Sure. So it's like, and there's the saying, like, films are never finished. They're just abandoned. And I, I, my guess yeah. is like, he's just like, okay, well, this is what we could do in this time. And I'm sure my, my guess is he would have wanted at least like whole scenes to be all high frame rate. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't but know. But like, that. that's yeah. what do you mean? You don't, you, you think he wanted to go back and forth? This is what frame? he has been talking about. Like I, as somebody who's mid, been reporting mid on this. scene. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. He I'm has been talking about possibility. This. Yeah. But, um, I, it bums me out that it, it affected the experience so much for you, Dave, because to my mind, you are way overstating how jarring it is. But it, it can mm. it can be. Like here's I, the yeah, here's the problem. Like depending on your brain and how this stuff like affects you, it can just be like, oh, this is garbage. I never want to see this again in my face. And that is the problem facing high frame rate, is that I think a lot of people will just reject it outright because yeah. I sort of did with the Hobbit because of how badly it was implemented. So I I, I, I don't know. I am yeah. similarly surprised you know, at your reaction, Jeff, just because like, I'm sure you've played like video games at 60 FPS. And then when there's a scene that's like not in 60 FPS, it's like really jarring. Now imagine that happening a hundred times, you know, like during the course, it's just like, uh, I I just, um, and and I think it's, it's only because I've gotten used to 60 FPS or high, higher frame. It's like, Mm -hmm. if I, you know, if I hadn't started looking at a bunch of 60 FPS stuff over the course of the last yeah. uh, few years, maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel it as much. And, but and anyway. To be clear, 60 FPS is where we were like maybe a decade ago in mm-hmm. gaming, because now like I'm looking at 500 yeah. Hertz monitors, you know, people yeah. want frame yeah. rates like right. as much as they can, like yeah. their eyeballs. 240 Hertz is yeah. like, yeah, yeah, the standard, uh, the, the tech guys for monitors say like our eye refresh rate should, is probably around like 700 Hertz. Right. So wow. some people are trying to like pump this up mm. as much as possible for, for really fast gameplay. 60 FPS seems actually very little right now, but because of how movies just have not moved on much, it seems weird. There have been older technologies that have tried to change this a bit. Um, if you guys look and Dis- on Disney Plus, the version of Oklahoma that is on that service is actually at 30 FPS. And it's like a 4K re-release of Oklahoma that was using like some new super widescreen technology or something. But it looks uncanny and it looks really smooth, but it looks interesting. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we got to explore some of this it, stuff. It's yeah. interesting that the, the possibility, Devinder, that you raised that like this could have been intentional because he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it to all be high frame. He wants it to. He wants to deploy it like selectively, which is just yeah. like I. I'm just not on board with that. It's, you know, if that's it's true, really right? jarring. Like, it is but, really jarring. All of it. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm so curious, like what people think about it. Like we we have no idea at this point. So like obviously we'll see your emails at slash filmcast at gmail.com. We'll see people's um, tweets and TikToks about it. I'm so curious. Like feel free to share mm-hmm. your thoughts on. Uh, how the high frame rate worked or did not work for you. But I'm glad that we have like a diversity of perspectives on this sure. podcast about this issue. So I, I'll make um, one prediction. I think there will be a huge generational divide for mm. this because the kids, the kids are used to their 60 FPS on Fortnite and everything, right? Like, and they're used to YouTubers kind of cranking things up all the way. Some, some car reviewers I, I watch regularly are now doing 4k 60 FPS. And it actually, I don't think it looks as good as their older videos, but they're doing it because people want it. 
So there is like a uh, rising demand for yeah, this. Yeah. But let's just be clear. I love 4K 60 FPS too. Like I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just the trend. It would be yeah, like if you're yeah. watching a YouTube video that's 4K 60 FPS and then there's many, many shots that are 24 FPS in it. Right, like, right, right. That's right. the issue I have is not with 4K 60 FPS or anything higher frame rate. It's it's with the jarring transition between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish it had just been one or the other for longer sequences Um, one thing i want to point out too like the the way cameron kind of did the 24 fps stuff is that the entire film is actually running at 40 fps and for those slower mm. scenes the dialogue scenes he's doubling the frames so your eyes are seeing you know double the frames and just can't quite tell it's uh it is fascinating like interesting here Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 Um, as opposed to like actually projecting it at 24 frames. Exactly, because you can't do that. Our projectors can't do that. When Peter Jackson was like, every theater needs high frame rate, that was like a massive push towards getting new projectors into theaters. And it, w- it was a disaster because it looked awful in that movie. And I think m- a lot of theaters felt that was a bad investment. So the camera's <laughs> kind of working with the tools he has right now and the, the projector tech we have right now. So at the end of the day, uh, I- I've gotten this question a lot after I like... Uh, posted about it is like how can i know which format i'm seeing the movie in mm-hmm. and i actually don't really know at this point like if people you go, will tell yeah so there, there's a good if you search um imax uh you know the way water screenings there's a good breakdown on reddit but there are multiple imax projectors or if you yeah. get like the big ass imax theater you, you will most likely get hfr if you have um yeah, high frame rate. Yep, high frame rate. Um, if you have certain of their um of their dual pro- dual laser projectors, mm-hmm. can do it as well. Some can only do two K, three D, and high frame rate. So, and that's yeah. IMAX. If you go to Dolby and AMC Dolby theater, it's guaranteed yeah. you're getting. Like, that's uh, what if you go to Dolby, wanted. you'll get the variable frame rate. So for me, Devendra, like honestly, I'm like, you know, my wife is asking me which screening of Avatar: The Way of Water might you see next. I'm like, I want the like the cheapest, the like shittiest one you got, shittiest one you have. So I can watch the, I can be guaranteed there's no variable frame rate for this <laughs> one, baby. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm glad you guys uh, work. You know, I'm glad the high frame rate worked for you guys, uh, and it did work for me at some points. Anytime it was longer than like a minute, you know, I yeah, was like, this yeah. is awesome. Um, but it it overall didn't work for me, unfortunately. Um, so anyway. Those are some thoughts on the format of Avatar The Way of Water. Um, we're half an hour into this episode. We haven't even gotten to the movie yet. So let's, let's <laughs> well, I do want to say, it. I just, I do want to say the 3D is glorious. Um, yeah. It's okay. Let's glorious. talk about that a little bit. I mean, yeah. you talk about format. I think the fact that I don't even know, is this movie being shown in 2D? Oh, yeah. It, it absolutely yes. is. Yes. Yeah. That would be, it, it, I think that would be a mistake if anyone They predicted went. that it would have basically the most formats ever out of any yeah. film ever in the history right. of mankind, mm-hmm. basically. So you got your 2D, you got your real D, you got your D-Box, your 4DX, you know, like every single format is going to yeah. have this movie. So I do think that the, the 3D mm-hmm. is That's why you would just see this movie. Yeah. I will say for this one in preview of our review, I guess, at least if you watch this one in 2D, it's still a good movie. So, you know. Mm. Well... Let's dive into our overall thoughts on Avatar The Way of Water. I'm going to read the plot summary from the studio. Quote, set more than a decade after the events of the first film, Avatar The Way of Water tells the story of the Sully family, the trouble that follows them, the lengths they go to keep each other safe, the battles they fight to stay alive, and the tragedies they endure. End quote. All right, folks. Overall thoughts. Opening volley. Devinder Hardware, hit us. So it has come to this. <laughs> I have said I wasn't interested in more Pandora stories. 
I have said I was worried about James Cameron spending all of his time here in this universe. And you know what, folks? I can finally say, I see you, Avatar. <laughs> what? Yes. I think this movie is a triumph. I think this movie is, is fantastic. It's oh, a you're sweeping make epic. Cry, Devendra. Oh, <laughs> well, I will still put down the first movie, Jeff, because uh, <laughs> no, no, horses. But I, I, it is an epic. Like this is what you want from an epic, you know, cinematic experience. It's a sweeping story. There's a lot of great action. It's a really personal story at the same time. It's a story about hashtag family. It's a story about the lengths you know parents will go to protect their children. It's about you know, man's endless desire to, you know, reap more capital from the environment. It's about all these things and it looks great. And I think the best thing is that it's not James Cameron writing the script himself, because I think that was like such a, such a, I don't know, killing blow for the first movie for me, where it was basically all tropes. I hated like most of the dialogue in the first movie. I looked at Avatar one as an experience because like, Oh, this 3d looks better than anything I've ever seen before. But as a movie, it was something I never wanted to rewatch. I think this one is a genuinely great movie because he had um, he has some uh, screenwriting help from some of the folks behind the Planet of the Apes trilogy. The Rick, new Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver have screenplay credits. Yeah. And I think Josh Friedman, too, who worked in the Saracana Chronicles, has like story credit. So like he had a writer's room for this. There are a whole bunch of people there going to be credited for the future movies, I believe. Um, but I, it, it's just it's well written. It has characters I care about. Um, I care about Jake Sully now, mostly because I care about this family. And I think it just touches on so many things that are just genuinely meaningful. I found this movie incredibly moving. So yeah, I, I adore, I adore this movie. Um, I, I was still fully justified in saying like, I don't know. I don't know if I want more of this because based on the evidence in front of us, that previous movie, I was worried, but at least now I'm very glad that I don't have to be as worried. I think this is a genuinely great movie and I'm glad that James Cameron has like a play, uh, a kind of a sandbox to test out new technology and test out new ideas. And yeah, I hope he gets to make more of these. This actually makes me really happy because I, because I think Devendra has been, I didn't want to hate this movie guys. I was dreading disliking it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, um, well, I I think you have been, let me, let me put it this way. Tell me if you agree with this characterization. Okay. You have been the most skeptical out of all three of us about James Cameron spending another 20 years of his life in Pandora. (laughs) Right. And literally uh, the rest of his life. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm happy that like, um, you feel like at least some of that time might be worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's just nice to see Jeff Kanata. What are your overall thoughts on Avatar The Way of Water? Well, Dave, (laughs) I guess you could say my Mm -hmm. overall thoughts on Avatar The Way of Water are best summed up in the form of several limericks. Wow. (laughs) What a treat. What a treat. Here we go. This room has an unmentioned elephant. It's the notion of cultural relevance. This sequel's so good, it rightfully should make that question itself irrelevant. (laughs) I don't don't know about rewriting history here, but okay. (laughs) Here's a limerick number two. You ready? Here we go. I'm ready. My body's ready. To those who expected this faster, thinking every delay meant disaster, your schadenfreude just got destroyed. Behold, a filmmaking master. 
I don't think we're being hyperbolic enough, Jeff. Can you give me one more? Mm-hmm. Sure. Here's one more. <laughs> My new god is named Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Telling Dave there's no the was farcical. And watching him squirm was cathartic. Well, the way of water could not have gone harder. It earned its definitive article. <laughs> I'm clapping. Wow. I'm clapping. If you can't, wow. if you can't see it here, I'm clapping. Those are my that, three that, limericks for uh, Avatar, The for Way of hour. Water. You, yeah. you ended it ended with an inside joke. So for those who don't know what Jeff is talking about there, um, Jeff and I, for many episodes, uh, debated the existence of a the in front of The Way of, or Way of Water. Yeah. Uh, I was like, it's The Way of Water. And then Jeff would come in and say, Actually, there's no the David, and he was dead wrong every single every time. time. Every, every time, every time. Yeah, and uh, also, Avatar Way of Water just doesn't work as a title. I don't, well, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I would agree. It doesn't, it doesn't flow as trippingly. The up. Way yeah. of Water. It is yeah. the Way of Water. Yeah. Um, guys, <laughs> this is you, why you hated it. This you is why it. I go to the movies. That's <laughs> why I go to the movies. I mean, I love all kinds of movies. You know that. I, I like small movies. I like movies with just two people in a room talking for an hour and a half. I like all kinds of movies, but this, this is what I go to the movies for. It, 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 it's the dream that I'm always chasing when I go to the movies. Big, audacious, exuberant, impossible filmmaking. I mean, it is working on the highest level, imagination and storytelling in, on the grandest scale. This is like, this is the thing. You go into this movie and you come out of it thinking, I, how, did, how is this even possible? I, I want to watch this movie again as soon as I possibly can, just like I did with the, the first Avatar. I want to see it again and again and again and again on the big screen in the movie theaters. It's, it's an experience. That, I mean, I got home from the screening and we were not allowed to bring guests to, to the press screening, my wife said, how was it, honey? Did it live up to your expectations? I said, I, we need to find a babysitter because I want to <laughs> take you to this movie. I want to bring people. That's how it was with the first Avatar. The reason I saw it six times in the movies, I kept bringing more different people to see it. I want to I like sit next to someone while they experience this movie for the first time. It's magic. It's beauty. It, 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 it is, I love being in this place. That's why I want to see it again and again. I love being in this place. And Cameron takes the time. I mean, this is a three hour and 10 minute long movie, but he takes the time and I'm so grateful he does to just let you be in this place and experience the beauty of it and sort of explore it. I mean, there's a whole sections of this movie when you're just, living there you're just it's just like documentary it. footage at times yeah it's you're just exploring the beauty of this place with him the wonder of this place and it takes the time to feel joy why is that so rare in movies these days it like it takes the time to just be joyous to say oh look here are characters in this world experiencing joy. Is there drama? Is there sadness? Is, is, yes, all of that happens in this three hour and 10 minutes. 
but there are large sequences where it's just exuberant and joyous and beautiful and wonderful. And you just in this place, like, I mean, guys, I, I cried multiple times in this movie. Several of them were just like crying at the beauty and the, like there's a grin on my face the whole time. I mean, it is, mm -hmm. it's an, it, it's an amazing experience. And there are, I would say zero shots in this movie that don't include uh, some CG character of some kind, you know? Um, yeah. It's very I, I much like he you. just went to another planet and, and yes. made a movie there. That's what it seems like. It seems, yeah. there are, uh, it, it, I mean, the way the movie shot, we talked about this when we talked about the first Avatar movie again a few weeks ago. He shoots these movies not like they're effects movies. He shoots them like they're a regular movie. And that's a credit to how that's shot in the volume and how he can have handheld camera and all that stuff. But there are multiple, there are, there are long sequences in this movie where I kind of forgot I was looking at CG characters. I was just looking at characters. I was just looking at characters emoting and acting and living and, and relating to them. And there are sequences where like, there's a, like four or five kids sitting in a circle talking. And I never thought, oh, I'm looking at a video game or I'm looking at a, you know, I'm looking at all CG. It, 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 you just buy into this world. And I mean, there's one shot in particular toward the end of the movie where like there's this, this really intense thing happening. And then he like pulls the camera back and you see like water splashing up and we're far away from it. And it's like, it, that's what you would do if you're on set and you mm -hmm. can pull the camera back mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you don't have to render that water. And you know, like, but he still does it. The whole movie is shot in a way that makes the the effects kind of, they're still wondrous and spectacular and and overwhelming and gorgeous, but they also recede into the tapestry of the story and you get to just live in that place and be in that world. And that is, it's like magic. It's like watching mm -hmm, magic. Mm -hmm. And there are there are sequences like I, I don't, genuinely sure, don't know how they get did it. Before we get into it, Jeff, I just want to uh, take a quick break. Um, so uh, let's take a quick break for sponsors. And I want to hear more from Jeff Kanata about his thoughts on Avatar The Way of Water coming up right now. Hey, I want to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, StoryWorth. This holiday season, if you want to give the gift to your loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship that you share, give the people you care about StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It is a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. Every single week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions that you've never thought to ask, like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or, if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? I gave this gift to both my mom and my dad on separate occasions. And I got to tell you, we cherish the results after a year, StoryWorth compiles all your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. My, both my dad and my mom loved doing this. They had such a good time answering each of the questions. And now we have this beautiful keepsake that I can pass down to my kids, their grandkids, and, and generations after. 
reading the weekly stories helped me stay connected with my mom and dad, even though we're many miles apart. I loved hearing their stories in their own words, stories that I never even knew about. Having lived my whole life as their kid, never knowing some of these amazing tales from their own young days. And with StoryWorth, I give the ones I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserve their memories and stories for years to come. You can too. Go to storyworth.com filmcast and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com filmcast to save $10 on your first purchase. S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com, storyworth dot com, slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, Jeff, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's okay. I'm rambling, but I'm going to continue rambling for just <laughs> yes, a moment please. if you'll indulge please. me. No, um, for a the, while, if you want. <laughs> the, uh, the, the other thing about this movie and this franchise is that it wears its heart on its sleeve. Uh, and I think, honestly, one of the reasons I feel so connected to this franchise, which now is a franchise, is I think I share a lot of sensibilities with it. You know, this movie, uh, this franchise is corny, like undeniably, you know, unobtainium mm -hmm. is corny. Other aspects of it are corny. It, it embraces simplistic notions of morality and, and right and wrong. And it does things in, in a, in a way that I think a lot of people have criticized the first movie for in that it is this sort of, um, generalized story that we've seen a number of times, but like, I feel like I am corny and, you know, have a, have a, have a, uh, I, I embrace a simplistic notion of right and wrong. Like I share that and I love its heart. And this movie has so much heart. It, it really does express a, a thing that so many movies, especially in the last 10 years, we haven't really seen because mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. is so, I mean, the world we live in is grimmer and darker than the world I grew up in in the 80s, right? And, and, and the, our art, our culture, our movies have reflected that and we've seen things get grimmer and darker. I mean, there's obviously exceptions to that rule as outliers, but I think generally, especially in our fantasy storytelling, in our, you know, we, we things like Game of Thrones is the biggest fantasy thing in the last 10 years, right? It's such, and, and even Harry Potter gets real grim and real dark. You know, it's like there, there isn't this like exuberant, joyous, mm -hmm vision of the future that is hopeful and positive and has heart like this and has this sort of, you know, this sort of uh, simplistic heroism that st stirs something in me, like stirs mm -hmm. a, a, a thing that has gone dormant in my soul a little bit. And yeah. I think this I'm franchise does that. And I, I mm -hmm. love that. I love feeling that I love, like, I, I want to, I want to be in this place, but not because, oh, mm -hmm. Pandora is a cool fantasy world. It is. And there's so much more of it we get to see and so many new cool ideas. Like, it's such awesome. I mean, we'll get to some of it in, in spoilers, but such awesome, like, new technologies and new stuff that we get to see. That's awesome. That's just, like, on a pure awesome level is awesome. 
But that's not even what I'm talking about when I say I want to be in this place. It's just like the feelings it's, it conjures, the way it wraps me in this intense feeling of competency from the filmmaker. Like, I know I'm in good hands the whole time. I know there's so many details, so many little things that didn't have to happen that way, but happen that way and just are just the perfect way for that to happen. Mm -hmm. It just, there is nothing like this. There is nothing. One thing I want to say, Jeff, it is both mythic storytelling, like you're saying, but also very, very specific and very much like, it is not. It is grand and sweeping, but it's also like clearly somebody who has done their homework about this stuff. Yeah, and it is not cynical at all. And I do feel right. like cynicism has really infected like so many things because it's not just grimdark. Like I think the MCU stuff is full of joy, but it's also like you know built upon you know the personality of Tony Stark really, and everyone's right. kind of responding to him, and he is like the most cynical you know billionaire playboy that there kind of is. And that tone kind of has been reflected throughout much of like what the Marvel stuff has been. So to have something that is free of that completely is just, yeah, open hearted and genuinely heroic and doesn't shy away from its emotions, I think is uh, it's pretty rare. That feels refreshing. You know, that is so well said, Devendra, that beautifully put. and, And I think you're right. Cynical is the word that I was searching for. You're right. And so much of my, um, you know, my life when I was doing the Totally Rad show and, and sort of starting in the in the public eye and, and being, you know, front-facing to an audience in that way, uh, a lot of what I wanted to stand for and, and, and the message that I liked putting out into the world is that cynicism is the enemy, right? Be less cynical, like it, 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 care more. And cynicism has been thrust upon me, <laughs> you know, and in, in a lot of ways. And you're absolutely right. Like, it is so awesome to like peer out of that little tunnel of darkness that I certainly have been in in the last five years or more um, and see this thing, this ray of sunshine and hope that it, it just, it feels, I mean, I can't even say it better than you did, Devendra. I, I think you, you put it beautifully. But I mean, that, that's the feeling I get being in this world and, being, and watching this movie. And I can't wait to talk about the specifics of the story because mm-hmm. I think it does some really fun, cool stuff. And the action sequences, like, there's only one human being, I think, on Earth that could make this movie. It's just insane that, that that's the case, that that's the yeah. truth. Like, it, It's the guy who self-designed his own submarine and took it to the bottom of the ocean God. and made a movie about it, too. Like, it's, it's cr- it is like, insane that he's a real person. The way, yeah. the way he structures action sequences, the clarity of the moment-to-moment, it's music, man. It is there. There are there were a number of times where I just yelped at something that happened that like was this crescendo at the at the end of an action sequence because it built in such a beautiful methodical way and the detail of what was happening it was so clear it was so precise and it was so it it built up to a moment that just unleashed that feeling that that climactic moment of yeah our heroes did a thing or whatever it, it is. Like it's an art, you know, it's a, it's a science at the same time. It it is this beautiful construction of a sequence that so few filmmakers do at this level. And man, this movie feels impossible. And it kind of Mm -hmm. is like no one else can make it. It costs so much money. It's like what you're seeing on screen is, you know, (laughs) 
digital people in digital inside digital water that, uh, alongside real people too in yes. some scenes. So that anyway, I've been talking wild. long enough. Let's yeah. let Dave take a crap on what I just said. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're ready. I, I have seen I, the toots. I, I am ready for this discussion. <laughs> for, for those who don't know, by the way, toots are the mastodon equivalent of tweets. Just <laughs> also everything you... that comes out of Dave's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, Jeff. Wow. I mean, here, here's the thing, Jeff. People, when I hear Jeff give a impassioned anthemic speech like that one, who can, who cannot help but be, who among us cannot help but be moved by Jeff being moved? Who among you, us? You, you among us. That's who. <laughs> I, I, I say this very genuinely because I'm like, oh, like. On the one hand, like, I love that you love it. You know, I love, and, and I think people listening to this love that you love it. And that's why people tune in. They lo love to hear Jeff loving things. And like, there's something very exciting and alive and vibrant about that love, you know? And, and I don't wish to do anything to even potentially come close to extinguishing even a part of that love. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't wish to yuck your yum in even the slightest. And yet, at the same time, I must stand in my truth and say I did not think this movie was very good. Really? Yeah. I, I find that so hard to believe. Like, I don't understand how someone can go through this experience of three hours and ten minutes and walk out and go, eh. Like, of all the things <laughs> in the world, I, I just, I find it, I find it so unbelievable to even understand. But I'll let you explain. Well, I think... Uh, on, on the one hand, uh, let's talk about some of the things I really loved about the movie, which is stuff that you've already said, right? Uh, the visuals in the movie are incredible. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars in this movie. It's all there on the screen. And we have talked about how James Cameron is trying to push the medium of cinema forward. And does. And does in this movie. Ar yeah, arguably undeniably. Does, yeah. Right? Um, the uh, in, in particular, the underwater stuff is just like you, mm -hmm. you've never seen anything like it before in a theater. There's a shot of one of the characters like from beneath and the giant whales above them and the sun is outside the water. I'm like, this looks like the best planet Earth shot I've ever seen. <laughs> right. You know, he's just it, like, it's one thing. One it looks thing like a nature movie. documentary, yeah. except it's all alien creatures that yeah. they dreamed up. And, but, it, you know, it still looks photorealistic. And it's just like. Wow, it's mind-blowing some of the visuals that can be achieved in this film. You've already talked about the action as well. Love the action. James Cameron has not lost a step. Whenever there's an action scene in this movie, it's amazing. Like, yeah. it's, it's just like, wow. I, I, It's so thrillingly shot, edited, and there's there's multiple moments that we'll talk about in spoilers where I'm just like, I can't believe I'm seeing <laughs> what I'm seeing. It looks so cool, uh, what I'm seeing. So you're thinking to yourself, well, Dave, that sounds awesome. Why didn't you love the movie? That sounds like a movie you enjoy. <laughs> it yes. sounds like a movie I would enjoy. And I think, you know, uh, I, I didn't love almost anything else about the movie. Like, I didn't love the story. I didn't love the characters. We're introduced to a bunch of new characters in this movie. Um, and I didn't find any of them interesting. I'm just going to put that out there. Like, I didn't, I didn't like any of the new characters. Uh, and because we are following all these new characters... Um, we're not following the original couple from the first Avatar as much, um, Jake and Natiri. And I felt, they, I felt their arc, this movie, was shortchanged as a result. I will agree um, that I think 
my biggest criticism of the movie is that Neytiri is almost completely sidelined. Yes. And it's, yeah. a, it's a shame yeah. because she's, the, she's by far the best part, in yeah. my opinion. Of and the Zoe Saldana part. is incredible and she remains incredible in this movie, but yeah. she only has about three things to do. Yeah. And one of them is incredible, but, um, <laughs> but for yeah. the, I was like, ah, oh, I miss, I miss Neytiri, yes. but it really, it really becomes, you know, Avatar, the next generation. Yes. And, mm -hmm. I was really worried about that when it was like, oh, we cast the kids. It's going to be a movie about the kids. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is how you ruin a franchise. Yeah, but and that's exactly what, and I feel like my fears were all played out personally. I just, like, I, I, just, yeah. Yeah, I just came away completely. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I don't want to make this about having kids or not having kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it there's, a lot, of, a, I mean, there's a lot of yeah. this movie yeah. that's about being a parent. And I mean, I was crying many times because like, oh, my daughter has said those words out loud mm -hmm. to me, you know, like specifically about being a father. Too. Yeah, like that, that is also, you know, a knock against it because Neytiri's perspective is not nearly there as much. But, you know, the, those things hit me. Uh, certain things that happen towards the end, like talk about crying behind two pairs of glasses. Not fun. <laughs> yeah, it is something I, I, that happened multiple times. Right. Know? I don't um, I I would say that it is highly likely that mm -hmm. uh, if you are a parent or a father specifically that like this movie would speak to you in specific ways. I'll, I'm also just going to point out the obvious. There's people who uh, aren't parents that also love the movie. And there's people who are parents sure, who sure. didn't enjoy it. You know, so sure. it's like, 100%. it's not, yeah. it's not like right. that is a decisive factor or anything. I, I do. Agree. I want to bring up to fall along those lines on yeah. this podcast, but yes. I don't think it's like, you know, um, for sure. It, it's one thing Jeff mentioned. I do think it would help. Like it does help that perspective. I yeah, do sure. feel like Cameron, a lot of these movies we're seeing this year are about older directors who are like taking stock in their lives and in some ways using movies to sort of like reflect on them and maybe make peace with like the things they couldn't do for their own families or for their own lives. One thing you had mentioned, though, in a toot, Dave, <laughs> and I will never tire of saying toot. Yes, um, apparently. You said that this movie is basically a remake of the first one. And I don't know if you still believe that. Because I, I, do, I definitely I do believe did that. not feel I that. do believe it. We can talk about it in spoilers, wow. but yeah. I, do, I do believe that. I, I, I basically said, I described this as like the Force Awakens of Avatar. Hmm. And yes, there are some new characters and like, the you know, I think you guys find the theme of family to be very substantive and that's cool, but I did not yeah. personally as rendered in this film. Um, and, uh, and, I, and here's the thing. Lots of people love the Force Awakens. I think the function of I love this the Force movie, Awakens, yeah. Avatar The Way of Water, can be to do what the Force Awakens did, which is to introduce Avatar to a new generation of filmmakers. Oh, it sorry, film has goers. to be. I keep yeah. saying filmmakers. Film goers 13 years after the original movie came out. And mm -hmm. so there's, it's not like necessarily a bad thing. But I found many of the emotional beats to be very similar to the first one. Uh, and we can talk more about that when we get to spoilers. Um, I want to. I want to say yeah. a couple. I, I, I want to let you finish. No worries. No worries. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I wanted to re relate to you guys uh, some anecdotes of my experience. Um, so, <clears throat> saw this movie at a press screening, as you know. Um, I would say maybe twenty people in the audience. Uh, maybe maybe a few more. Uh, mm -hmm. Not you know obviously massive auditorium. So a big, mostly empty theater. The movie, uh, before the movie, uh, three hour and 10 minute long movie, before the movie, the, uh, the, oftentimes we'll have, you know, somebody come out at a press screening and say, hey, just, you know, please put your cell phones away. If we see anybody using the cell phones, you'll be asked to leave. It's, it's, yeah. it's standard. Standard. 
because it's going to be super awesome to shoot 3D <laughs> HFR footage on a cell phone. That's right. really how you're going to make your money. Yeah, regardless, yes. I, I respect yeah. that. But um, uh, this time we had somebody pop back in after they had already made that announcement and go, hey, just want everybody to know there's no end credit sequence. Uh, you, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to stay Thank for the you. end. Yeah, God. this is a long yeah. movie. You don't have to stay for the, Don't wait for anything. There's no end credit sequence. GTFO was, after the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I am... Uh, <laughs> I am sitting in the, at the end of the movie, weeping, uh, is sitting in my seat, listening to the score as the credits are going. And the lady comes up to me and she's like, oh, did you not hear the announcement? There's no end credit sequence at the, and I'm like, I mean, I'm having a moment. Let me just sit <laughs> with like, this. I'm having okay? a moment here. <laughs> yeah. So, so I get up and I, I, I leave the theater. I don't know if this happens to you guys. I suspect it does. But oftentimes, uh, press people will be standing at the door asking the critics, like, yes. just quick thoughts, like, just, what did you think? Yes. I, I, both of the press people are occupied by the time I get out. But as I walk by, I hear uh, another critic who, who I don't, I'm not familiar with. I don't know who it is specifically it was, but another critic standing there talking to the press person. And he says, and I quote, God damn it. I did not want to like this dumb movie <laughs> <laughs> as I walked by. Yeah. Couldn't I help himself. He walked in not that. wanting to like it. Couldn't help himself. I get, <laughs> I, I, I walk uh, into the bathroom through our 10 minute movie. I got to go, I got to pee afterwards. I walk into the bathroom and uh, I, I, I finish what I'm doing, go to wash my hands. Another guy washing his hands next to me. He just turns his head. I don't know who this is. Never met him turns his head and looks at me and he goes, James Cameron, man. Yep. <laughs> well, is it while you're like at the urinal? Or no, 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 no. We're just... washing our hands. Oh, you're washing, I, washing I, do, hands. I do miss uh, yeah. theater conversations at the urinal. <laughs> <laughs> this happened to me multiple James times. James Cameron, man. Yeah, I thought yeah. like, there's your That's review. It. There's your That's review. It. James yeah. Cameron, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so fascinating to, mm -hmm. to hear people's reactions because I left the theater and I was like, oh, <laughs> Everyone's going to agree with me. Everyone's going to hate this. <laughs> Everyone's going to think that movie wasn't that great, other than the actions and the visuals. Mm -hmm. uh, actions and the visuals. And as we're recording this, I, I, I I'm just yeah. intensely. You curious. seem to be what? turning green. You seem to be <laughs> gaining a menacing grin, like a grin of some kind. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. um, let's take a break for sponsors. We'll be back with more thoughts on Avatar: The Way of Water. Hey, I gotta jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Calm. You know, we've all had our favorite bedtime story growing up. Tales that had us feeling cozy in our bed and ready for a good night's sleep. Some of us enjoyed a fairy tale ending, while others preferred lighthearted mysteries. Why shouldn't we have the same comfortable feelings as adults when we drift off to sleep? Calm's immersive sleep stories make falling into a relaxed and restorative slumber a breeze, bringing you back to the well-rested nights of childhood. We're partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel, reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improve focus with curated music tracks, and rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories for children and adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. If you go to calm.com slash filmcast, you get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription. And new content 
is added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. Calm is ready to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. I have certainly come to appreciate meditation very much in my own life. And Calm's guided meditations are wonderful ways to get into it, even if you've never tried it before. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash filmcast. Go to calm.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash filmcast. Anything else to say before yes. we get into spoilers? <laughs> what, was your, what was your P strategy going into this, guys? Because I, I specifically had a strategy in mind because I thought it was going to be at the big, the big old IMAX theater at mm. AMC 68th Street, which mm. is one of the best screens on earth. It's also a disaster if you need to use the bathroom because it's like real big ass IMAX with like huge rows and no aisles in between. So you, oh, you're yeah. in the middle of there. If you're in the sweet spot, you're not leaving. You're trapped there. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, I'm going to take like a side-ish seat. And maybe if I have to walk over a couple people, it's not as bad as like being in the center. But it ended up being at an AMC at a Dolby Vision screen, which had nice full rows in between everybody you could get up. You could go use the bathroom. You don't really annoy people. I ended up not having to go to the bathroom at all. Yeah. But what was your concern? What was your planning for this? I didn't, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to roll the dice. And uh, <laughs> I ended up, I, I, mean, I went right before. Yeah, that's what I did. And then I, and then I didn't have to go during the I, movie. So. Our screening started at 7 p.m. And I... 6.58, I went up and got, went to the bathroom to yeah. like yes. make it as, as That's the way to right go. before as possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I didn't uh, find myself having to... I mean, I was just enthralled the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was like, if the movie... I, did, I couldn't have even told you it was three hours and 10 minutes. I, yeah, like I, if yeah. they had started it again after I was done, I would have sat there and watched it again. It was like... I, I didn't really feel it either. And there are some times in some movies where I'm like, I just got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, I'm not having a good time here. I need a break from this movie. Never really felt anything like that during this. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, well, shall we get to spoilers for Avatar The Way of Water? Start talking about the plot in depth? Yeah. Let's All right, it. here we go. Spoilers starting right now for Avatar The Way of Water. Now you're looking for the secret. You're going to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be... Let's do it, folks. Let's talk about the actual plot of the movie. So there's so much to unpack about (laughs) the premise. And there's one thing to start with, which is we saw that Stephen Lang was cast in this movie. Yeah. Right. Years ago. Weaver. And And Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. And we were all like, okay, so they died. What's uh, what's going to happen there? And I think it's really interesting what this movie did with both of them, even if. um, the the child character Kiri that Sigourney Weaver plays, even though like a lot of that is unexplained, clearly setting up stuff for like future movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Korra stuff and the idea of like recombinants and like okay, taking the Avatar technology back and sort of like figuring out a way to just like push put humans in, into these things and making clones, it's kind of a cool idea. I kind of dug it. I don't know how you guys felt. Oh yeah, I, I thought it was so efficiently conveyed. Like it, we yeah. don't spend we don't spend an hour dealing with it it's like this is how it you know one video message and we're in 
Yeah. I just thought that was so like, boom. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with the economy of uh, like how it was conveyed, but that was my first big disappointment with the movie. I was like, how, like the, the, the uh-huh. whole, here, here's ultimately like what my big issue with this movie is, right? Is Avatar 1 felt like a monumental event in these people's lives. Like it felt like, oh, we're going to divide history into like before and after Avatar 1 happened, mm-hmm. right? Avatar 2 felt like a chapter in it like is, yeah. these people's lives. And it's, it's the beginning of a new trilogy, it feels yeah. like. And, yeah. and 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 as a result, like I, I I liked it quite a lot less and also felt it repeated many of the same things in the first film. One of the big ones being it's Quaritch again. Yes, he's he has Navi powers now, but it's Quaritch again, right? But well, I think and, yeah. this movie in a lot of ways is Quaritch's movie. And I think we're going to see yep. an evolution of Quaritch over the course of the next several movies mm-hmm. because he basically goes through the Jake Sully story yes. himself yeah, and does it his own way. And I think it's so interesting to see that like two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. and how he retains his sort of dark heart through it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, with the revelation of him having a son and the son, the way the son saves him at the end, I think all of that is going to play large in the next yeah. Over the course of whatever this trilogy story is. There is like a Darth Vader narrative yes. going on here with Korich, I kind of felt. But also the movie, I think, humanizes him in ways that are really, really interesting. First of all, uh, we didn't know anything about a kid in the first movie, right? right. Like That's just like, hey, by the way, Korich had a kid and the kid couldn't go to hypersleep or the kid couldn't like go to cryo. So yeah. he's here now. Um, you set that up. But also the dude, this Korich is a clone of the memories of the first Korich <clears throat> before his death. Yeah. It's also about him dealing with that and seeking revenge for himself. And <laughs> so rad. It, it's it's there's so many things going on that I think are really fascinating. Yeah, the, the this movie's like throwaway ideas are like k- killer sci-fi ideas. Like, yeah, I love how Chorus just treats himself like a different person than his clone was. He's like, I'm mm-hmm. not your dad, dude. Yeah. That's that other guy. Sure, yeah. I have all of his life memories and experiences and basically am a carbon copy of him, but like, that's not me. I, I Like that alone is such a fascinating sci-fi concept of like, are you your, uh, is the clone you? Does it, should it, should it have to pay back your, you know, personal business loan. Or like- <laughs> and it ends up being like, he, he is pretty much his dad. Like it is that, that bond, that connection is still there. So the spider stuff, I felt like that was kind of annoying. And also I feel bad for that actor who is probably in these very cold sets and is in freaking Tarzan loincloth the entire time. Yeah. Poor dude. But Poor man, guy. yeah. The interaction between a real person and a CG, everything in this movie is yeah. incredible. Unreal. I mean, not unreal real it looks seamless it looks seamless i agree it looks seamless. unbelievable looks really yeah yeah um but yeah i mean i i thought that uh th- that the sequence where Korich and his men come to the final battle location from the end of the first movie and he finds his own corpse which he has no memory of happening yeah yeah that and was then, a, that's, then, it's cool. It's cool. It's an yeah. incredible moment, and yeah. like yeah. It's, it's it's like harkens back to Terminator and, 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 and like stuff that he was working Crushing with. Crushing skulls. Cr- this Dude, movie the, harkens back to everything James Cameron has yes, done. Like that there's way, Titanic cool. sequences. Yeah, like it's it's so rad. But like that moment where he picks up his own skull and he looks at it mm-hmm. and then crushes it. 
Like mm-hmm. that's cinema, dude. That's cinema because you don't know what's going through his head, and then you see him crush it. And it's, it's like cinema. Oh. it's Shakespeare. Yes. Too. it's it's like it's yeah pure Glass, visual storytelling. Glass yeah. poor Yorick. I knew him. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's it's. Awesome. I am him. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I, I would say that that the quartz stuff is some of the stronger stuff, and like yeah, when he takes the skull, it invites you to think about how you would feel in that situation where like you, you know, you have, you happen upon like your own death, basically yes. you're, you're a witness to your own corpse. And like, have you guys played the game? What happened to him? Yeah, he didn't know. Amazing. And then they find it and they watch the video. It's like such a, I've never seen that particular version of that mm-hmm. sci-fi yeah. idea yeah. play mm-hmm. out like that. And then like the way the skull is so tiny in his big avatar hand, like it's just, it's awesome. Did you know what we're going to say? Um, have you guys played the game Returnal? Yes. Which I think yeah. kind yes. of explores similar territory too. Mm-hmm. It's similarly yeah. like creepy and interesting. Um, but yeah, I this is why I'm like, I sure this movie does follow some similar beats of the first movie, but I feel like there's a lot more going on here, right? Because it's not just Jake and the Teary, it's not just Jake like stumbling into this whole thing and being a leader like an idiot. It is him trying to be like, okay, I, I've done the whole hero thing. I just need to keep this family safe. And I do yeah. feel like in this era right now where we're like Hey, that in the pandemic era too, like that is something that is just always on my mind. I think of their big excursion from the forest to the ocean to very much I can relate to. And I know you can too, Jeff. I'm like, okay, well, it's not safe here. So we got to go there. And that is also very dangerous, but let's go there and resettle. Um, There's a lot of that in here. I also do appreciate the fact that um, Jake Sully remains a big dum-dum too like he's not he's not like the super enlightened person because he's like not a great dad Nateria's like you know these are soldiers these are your children but also the whole plan of like well being here is dangerous for the forest people so we're gonna go put the water people in danger again <laughs> yeah. not a well yeah, no, yeah, yeah again yeah i mean your point i'm glad you like that part you're pointing out reasons i you know didn't yeah but he, enjoy he's the movie. Still, like i'm just saying it, he's still it, a big whole, dum-dum the, yeah the central sort of storyline of the film i was just like okay they're they're trying to escape but then quartz is still going like why is Mm -hmm. why why does he think leaving will put him out of danger i i guess theoretically it could because they're on like the way far they're they're supposed to be far away in hiding but they should be like away from any people to be to be really safe yeah well also it's like it's like why is quartz still after him because i i get the idea of like okay he's like um Mm -hmm. he's basically like a terrorist Right, like he, the character of Jake Sully is basically a terrorist. He's like going around, um, blowing up trains, eco terrorist, like, yeah. yeah, eco, you know, harvesting things like that. And then it's like, okay, we got to stop that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so then he like flees and goes away. So then why do? But if he's no longer leading terrorist acts, like why do they still need to? Well, because that, it's that, a that, twofold that, thing. Yeah. Korich also wants actual revenge for yes. his own death. Absolutely. And also like justifying his own existence. Like basically uh, you have this movie gives us Edie Falco in a mech suit. I'm like, I also wanted to be like this. I never thought I'd see Edie Falco like this. Jermaine Clement in a side picture. You're like, I mean, Mm. come on. It's so good. But but Edie Falco in full on general mode too, like her being the new courage and kind of laying down the law for him. Um, It's also like a thing she wanted. Like she, they're here. They're here to like bring, you know, bring the peace for the humans. That involves taking down the biggest human traitor that there is. Um, he, he also he's also become the thing he hates. Yeah, and he is, he literally wakes up as the thing he's always hated, and one person is responsible for it. Mm-hmm. So he has the added benefit of the military, his employers, 
want that person dead. And so he's like, yeah, give me that, give me that mission. This is the best. I was born for this. Yeah. yeah. And so when that person becomes less of a problem for the military, it doesn't become less of a problem for Quaritch. Quaritch still wants that dude dead. I, I totally understand why Quaritch wants him dead. Okay. So that, that I get, but it just, it felt like such smaller stakes to me than the first film, right? Sure. The first yeah. film felt like, I, I could convince myself like, oh, maybe like this will actually stop the sky people from ever coming back to Pandora. Like maybe if they succeed, like we're going to repel them forever. And it felt so like consequential and important, like a prophecy was being fulfilled. Uh, and this one just felt like it's yeah. a, it's a blood feud, you know, it's like, Hey, yeah. uh, it's a revenge mission. And it's like, okay, that's not, uh, uninterested. It's not like completely devoid of any merit, but it's just more like the first mm -hmm. one just felt like so weighty by comparison. That, that first, that the, that reading of the first movie too is one of the things I really disliked about it too. Is being like, oh well, we we blew up these machines, we sent them back to their home planet, and all our problems are solved. Right. And I don't I, think, I don't think that's a good like that's a good story for one movie. That's not a good story for you know if you're going to continue this as a franchise. And also, that's a to me, like that's a level of unrealism where I'm like, I feel like if you're actually trying to say something about humanity and the way our relentless drive for capitalism will like force us to destroy pretty much everything that's beautiful and that's made of nature. Um, I feel like, no, humanity won't. They will be back, you know, and the question is, what do you do after that? And so this is the beginning of a longer story. Yeah. Basically. And, and, and I, Cameron, I okay has, Cameron has been explicit about this in the, in the mm -hmm. interview that you talked about on the show a few weeks ago, Dave. He was basically like, you know, we have these great adventure stories and then we don't talk about what happens to these right. people next right. when they start a family. And, and that's exactly what this movie is about is like, now we have this great war hero who saved the world, starts a family. And now his, that's exactly what Davinder said, is his biggest quest now is, is protect the family. He doesn't say, let's stay here and defend the world and, and save the people. He's like, Let's run. We're running because I got to save my family. And, the, you know, the, the, this notion of like the sins of the father come back and are visited on the children. And, and I think that's, you know, that's a mythical uh, mm -hmm. story uh, trope. And I think works very, very well here in, in the sense that, yes, maybe it doesn't have the level of save the planet stakes, but it's, it is that question of like, well, what next? Now the most important thing isn't what it used to be. Now the most important thing are these children. And I, I thought that worked for me. And I, I also liked, I liked how it shifted the spotlight to the kids. I thought I was going to hate that. I thought that yeah. was going to annoy yeah. me. But yeah. I like all these kids. And I thought their inner, inner uh, interactions between each other, their interpersonal dynamics were really well drawn and, and lovely. Mm -hmm. We haven't even really talked about the teenager Kiri in this movie, who's played by Sigourney Weaver. Massive surprise and, to me. I don't know if you guys knew this going in. The, the, there, were, there were a whole bunch of interviews that landed a couple of weeks ago. And I, I think I specifically told you, Jeff, to stay away from the internet because <laughs> yeah. Stephen Lang was out there talking about Quaritch. Like every, a, a lot of stuff was happening. And I was like, oh, okay. Now we are starting to see how all these things fit into place. But yeah, certainly yeah. surprising. I, 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 was, I thought that was an amazing thing. And it's kind of proof of concept of what Mm -hmm. You know, the notion of performance capture has always, has always, you know, promised, which is any actor can play any part, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's like it can, yeah. and I thought that, I thought her performance was really wonderful uh, as, as a young girl. It's, 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 it's obviously Sigourney Weaver and, you know, you can't forget that it's Sigourney Weaver, but 
she does such a beautiful job, especially in that sequence where she's like playing against herself. Uh, I thought she did such a beautiful job of like embodying this young woman. So my understanding is that Grace Augustine's avatar like mm -hmm. had a child yes. spontaneously and it was yep. Kiri, right? So, um, but well, we I, don't know. I mean, there's, there's like inferences that she may have gotten knocked up before she died. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, we don't yeah. we don't know if it was like a you know mm -hmm. uh, immaculate conception or, or what i feel like yeah. they're building up an anakin skywalker thing here yeah so yeah i do think that that you know clearly she has a connection to awa that no one else has mm -hmm. so there's something yeah. there and we know that uh that sigourney weaver in her avatar body was like connected to awa as she mm -hmm. died so yeah i expect to find out more about that yeah so as you said, they run and they go like all the way around the world to uh, a, a tribe of water people called the, um, I think, uh, Metkaina is uh, who they're called. Uh, and then they kind of have to learn their ways. And that's what the way of water, that's where it gets its title. Um, I thought the concept over like the, the abstract concept of this idea that there's like other kinds of Navi that have like, evolved in different ways is a cool one. Yeah. Um, and certainly like the movie uses it to give you like access to all these worlds uh, that we didn't have access to in the first film. Um, but I am kind of curious um, how you guys felt that whole plotline played out with this new group of pe people, the Metkaina, um, their customs, and then like trying to integrate and assimilate mm -hmm. their family into their, their group. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very much a story of like going somewhere new and just like, being the outcast in many ways but what was fascinating is that these these navi these people are like built for the sea and sort of seeing those adaptations were kind of fun too was like oh look at your puny little forest tails you're not gonna be able to swim with that and they have like their fingers are more like flippers almost or mm -hmm. like bigger so i feel like somebody it's just james cameron having more fun with this like this universe and these the species and also the ecology we see here too so I enjoyed that bit. Um, one thing we haven't really talked about here is that even though so much of this movie is CG, um, I believe most of the main cast, almost everybody like who is on screen um, had to learn to free dive. Yeah. And a lot of those water scenes are just people underwater, like in some of the mocap stuff, probably, wow. but also of holding your breath and just imagining yeah. that, like going to that level and also the level of hell he put his actors through underwater stuff for the abyss and other movies. Um, it is it, it, kind of, kind of amazing to see. I think what we heard is that Kate Winslet ended up being the like MVP of being able to like free dive for like months, minutes on end. So <laughs> yeah, that's also I, another aspect of this. I think is really, really interesting. I, I can't wait to, to see more behind the scenes stuff. Cause like the idea of Sigourney Weaver playing a, a child with a bunch of other children, actual yep. children, yep. all in mocap suits, all underwater, it's and it's neat that they had to learn to breathe correctly and uh, and hold their breath for long periods of time. And that's the text of the movie. Like the characters have to learn to breathe and hold their breath. And I, I love the synergy of that. It's I mean, that whole sequence to me is what is one of the things that separates this from sort of a normal movie. It, 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 there's this extended I don't even know. It feels like. I don't know how long we just spend just enjoying mm -hmm. this new place. We're yeah, just this discovering this new These place. These animals are new. Yeah. Yeah. And and the uh, the underwater ecology that we get to witness, um, that whole sequence with um, 
the, the son developing a relationship with that one whale creature, it, all of that. I just was like, I want to be here. I want to, I want to just feel this joy the, the movie sets aside danger for long periods of time to just let you be in this place. And there's so many lo lovely little details like the, um, the, the, the water, uh, um, housing system is connected mm. by these sort of spongy nets and the mm -hmm. way the kids are like bouncing on the nets. And I, and I kept thinking like, well, they clearly had to build yeah. actual sets that kind of looked like this in yep. the mocap space for them to just interact <laughs> with it in those ways. But it just, it, it adds so much. And there are so many wonderful, just awesome details, like how they, how they learn to, to ride the water creatures how they then can interact with the water creatures. And there's like a sequence where they're just kind of run to the end of a dock, jump off, call for the creature. The creature swims under them. They catch the harness and are just, it's like fucking rad, dude. Yeah. Just, just rad stuff. And it it's, just makes you go, this is, yeah. when I was a kid, I went, oh, I want a lightsaber. You know, that's the kind of feeling you have. Like, I want an underwater creature to ride around on. I want to learn how to breathe, to hold my breath for minutes. It makes you, it makes you go, I want to see the world because the world is full of wonder. Let's take yep. one last break for sponsors, and we'll be right back with more talk about uh, the plot of Avatar The Way of Water. Hey, I want to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Sizzle Pitch. You're a movie fan. How do I know? You're listening to the film cast. That's all we're talking about is movies on here. You got to be a movie fan. And if you're a movie fan who loves a movie's special features, oh, who doesn't? Special features are best features. Main features, okay, I guess. But do you, do you wish you had more access to the behind the scenes of making movies? Ooh, it's fun. Or maybe you yourself are a filmmaker looking for ways to learn more about the filmmaking process. Well, then sizzle pitch is perfect for you. Sizzle Pitch gives anyone access to making movie magic with zero experience required by helping create sizzle reels, which are mini film projects that filmmakers use to show what their ideas could become in a feature film or a TV show. Barbarian, Deadpool, The Matrix. What do all these films and more have in common? Jeff Kanata liked them? Yes, but more than that, they all started off as sizzle reel proof of concepts. With Sizzle Pitch, you'll get to choose from a variety of genres, including horror, comedy, sci-fi, and drama. And whatever your tastes, you'll learn about the entire filmmaking process, from producing to special effects to meeting cast and crew. It's a bit like crowdfunding, but you get way more than just a t-shirt for your participation. Go to sizzlepitch.com right now to sign up or gift that cinephile in your life something truly special. On top of the introductory launch pricing, use promo code FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, for $100 off one Sizzle project. Wow, that's promo code FILMCAST at SizzlePitch.com. Making independent films with you. Talking about the little things, I do appreciate just the way this movie also sets, just gives us the overall setting of Pandora more too. Like specifically, I think it's easy to forget Pandora is a moon of a much bigger, you know, planet. And there are sequences in this movie where it's like, okay, eclipse is happening. It's nighttime yeah. and the camera just pans up and you see the sun like arcing behind the parent planet. And it's just like, 
it is beautiful. And the way it's even rendered is sort of like you sort of see like what you would imagine the clips would look like from Earth as well. I just it's those little things. It's like look, it takes the time to look up. You yeah. know, it takes the time to like look around and show us like what this world is like for people, which makes it feel all the more real. But as somebody who's always a man, like I've always wanted to be like, okay, I'm just on a moon of another planet and I look up and I see a giant, you know, body in the sky. How would that work? And this movie really gives you that too, more so than the first one. Yeah. It, 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 the sequence we're talking about specifically, this like section of the movie where we're sort of just learning about the new water tribe. It, it feels almost like a vacation movie, mm-hmm. you know, like this mm-hmm. wonderful excursion into this new place to discover. And ah, man, it, I, I love that part. D- Dave, did you, were you not connecting to even that sequence? Um, I can, I certainly connected to parts of it. You know, I think the Metcaina are clearly meant to be a stand in for Pacific Islanders. Um, and you can tell by like the tattoos on like the, fa- they're meant to evoke that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, I mean, my, my, my only complaint with that is just like, you know, I, I think this movie does do a good job of showing you like these new worlds and new, like, like the visuals are the best part of the movie for me, right? For me. Um, but when I talk about a lot of the stuff from the first one being repeated, you know, it's, it's this kind of stuff. It's like, yes, it, people are going through the same journey. Yes, it's with like a different kind of thing but instead of the ikran this time it's with like the underwater creature and uh inst- and but quaritch is still trying to kill jake but instead of in his human body he's in the navi but like it feels like just the same dynamics repeating themselves over and over and oh you need to do you need to overcome this big thing in order to like actually uh understand like who the people are. and in this case it's like the kid kind of bonding with that big sea creature right and it's mm-hmm. kind of it, it, it just felt like the same beats being repeated. And after waiting 13 years for this movie, I was really hoping it would go in a much different direction than many of the kind of feelings and tropes from the first one. Mm. I know you guys don't feel that way. You know, like you, you feel like it's, it's new enough that these are like net new things to you. And I don't like dispute that. They, they didn't feel like tropes to me. Like, I yeah, think that's yeah. the main thing. Whereas the movie, the first movie is all tropes. Like basically mm-hmm. the entire plot, like the entire narrative is trope to trope to trope. This felt real and fleshed out. Yeah, it's you know the the, the first movie is about like people extracting. It, it just mm-hmm. this movie to me just felt really all over the place. You know, in not a, not a great way, right? All over the place. Like I'll just throw out one example. About two thirds of the way through the movie, we find out like why these people are hunting these huge sea creatures, right? Which is oh, their brain juice or whatever like is basically the fountain of youth. It, so a it's basically like unobtainium b it's weird that they're saving that reveal for like two-thirds it feels like they're just like oh yeah we got to give them a motivation for hunting these things and let's put that in two-thirds of the way through the, like it's just mm-hmm. it's like okay you know and like throughout the whole well, movie those I, people aren't aren't the main right like they're not the main people like right they, they it was core it's just saying hey you got a boat you whale people like you know we're gonna follow you it, it is it is yeah I agree. It feels maybe it's repetitive, repeating the same themes of like, but we're it's extracting, not... like the real villain is like extracting from the environment, like capitalist yeah. extraction from the environment. Right. It's, Which is the exact is same. Different. Like just, just like in real life, like we do it in many different ways for sure. And right now. And, and I thought, and I thought like Avatar one yeah. covered that material, you know, is that, that's just all one saying, material so. though. Like, <laughs> and unobtainium <laughs> okay. is like, okay, unobtainium is mining, but 
what humans do is we often just like we also reap the natural world in many ways like of living creatures this brought to mind uh the whole idea of whale hunting which was a big big thing for for a long time like whale oil was a big thing and it is it's it's not like a subtle you know uh analogy there but it's kind of the same thing yeah i think the movie tries to be about many things it tries to be about you know capitalist extraction from the environment it tries to be about family and found family and it tries to be about um you you know a a lot of different things like what it's like to try to assimilate into new people balancing the uh the um priorities of being a father with the priorities of being a leader and like all these things and it's so ambitious in all the different things it tries to that like none of those things really landed for me right so that's kind of um like how I felt about it. That, it. that said, that said, to go back to your original question, Jeff. I'm sorry, I like went way off. Like, oh, it's okay. I, I do think, um, yeah, there was a lot of cool visuals during this part, and I agree with like, I agree. Like, I'm spending all this time like watching like the backgrounds of like you know the the physical structures they built, the, the nets, and I was like, oh, like people would have evolved to like kind of stretch these, like build homes like this, and and yeah, their bodies would have evolved differently. It's cool. To, it's a cool like mental exercise. But well, it's world building, yeah. right? It's world yeah, yeah. building. It's it, yeah, yeah. it really does feel like it expands the universe of Pandora. It, you know, there's so much new to discover, and you're discovering it alongside your main characters. And I just I found that to be just a delightful process. Uh, and I, you know, you can make the parallel, I guess, you know, the Ekron to the, to the water Ekron, whatever it's called. <laughs> the water <ecron>. yep, yep. <laughs> but, yeah. but it didn't play out exactly the same way. Right. It, sure, it, it, sure. And, and it, it I, I found it, it was its own, like it's its own new way of exploring that world and watching the kids, uh, sort of get the hang of it and, and, and how each of them handled it differently. I just, I thought it, it really didn't feel like a repeat mm-hmm. performance, you know, well, man, to, to compare it to the force awakens just feels so uh, reductive. <laughs> to me. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, you're, well, you're honestly, Dave, what's happening is that my heart is breaking that you didn't have the kind of experience oh, that I I'm, had. I'm so sorry. I don't want you to, I don't want to, no, no, you know, no, that's what I'm saying. No, yeah, I don't, no, no, yeah, no, I feel don't, bad about that. I don't want you to, I'm not making, yeah. trying to make you feel yeah. bad. I'm yeah. just saying that like that you're my friend mm-hmm. and I want you to feel what Devendra and I felt when we saw this movie, which was yeah. like, oh my God, this is yeah, yeah. great. Well, you know? okay, l- l- let's let's talk about kind of the movie coming to its conclusion. And I, I think this is like the the conclusion of this movie really does like the last 30 to 45 minutes, I think really does sum up like both what's great about the movie and what I don't like about the movie, right? Which is the the last 45 minutes, just like in the same way that the last 45 minutes of Avatar 1, are basically one long, very good action scene. Incredible. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, Every time I, James Cameron puts people in closed quarters as water is slowly rising towards him, it's like, you oh, know you're the, in for a good the time. Part, the yeah. part when... Natiri is trying to like run away from the yeah. water, like filling up the yeah. the book. It's like holy crap, and and Incredible. then like the camera like changing perspective. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this looks so good, dude. Every but, every yeah. that entire sequence with the individual boats, yeah, on the water, like and and how. <laughs> I mean, I want to like break down that shot for shot because it's fucking amazing it's yeah. amazing and the the whole my i think my favorite i don't know 10 minutes of the movie five minutes of the movie is 
the the whale versus uh, yeah. Clement's boat. Like what, that, what if whales uh-huh. decided we've had enough? That we're, is, we're gonna mess you up. So well, incredible. And then they, the way, how it ends with the dude getting his arm trapped with the with the cord, oh my gosh, and then Amazing. pops off. Dude, I yelped at the end of that in my theater. <laughs> but, I was like, it, it was. Uh, uh, so uh. so here here is why I find I I can enjoy those scenes with you guys. Like I'm like, oh, this is so fun. It's <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. But I find it to be ideologically or thematically, however you want to call it, incoherent. Because you think about the first movie, right? Where like the first movie is all about like, oh, we we have to be like one with the land, one with the earth, one with like this planet that we're on. Um, every living creature has value. Like let's, let's commune with each other. Like we, the communities where we get our value and like the, the creatures are where we get our value and blah, blah, blah. That also happens to end with an incredibly kick-ass action scene with like tons of explosions and like, you know, military technology being like destroyed and uh, with extremely flashy pyrotechnics. I personally find that to be like a clashing. Dissonant. Uh, you find uh, it dissonant. Dissonance. Right. Yeah. Same thing with this movie. We're like, here's the thing. James Cameron, I think, is so enamored of the technology. Like the part where they take down that huge sea creature. I'm sorry. I don't remember what it's called. It's so badass. I'm like, yes. holy shit. It's so cool. Like when they like drop those like individual pods, they like Dude. drop into the ground. And, like, I'm like, holy shit. This is so cool. But the thing is, it's making that look like an incredibly badass. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know on one level we're supposed yeah. to be like, it's oh, horrific. it's horrible. It's yeah. horrible it, what it, they're doing. Horrific. But like yeah. he's making it look cool in my opinion. And I, uh, and I think there's ways you could shoot it or do it that don't make it look cool. No, but, uh, but I don't, I think it looks no. cool. No. In, I think it looks cool in the way that I appreciate any time in a movie, you see experts doing something mm-hmm. they're experts at, yeah, but expert he doesn't, hunters. he doesn't yeah. need to show it that way. Like, but, he but these are people that do, what, what he's conveying is that these people do this a lot. They do it a lot. They, they have a way of doing it. They don't give stupid. a shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's showing their amorality. Right. At this, like, and w- w- what is the result? Is one little bit of a you know gland of this enormous creature, and the kid even asks, like, so you just you just waste the rest? Yeah, you throw away the rest. It's upsetting, but you know, I, I guess this is kind of like the same complaint of like, and and people have differing. Um, sympathies to this complaint of like is does goodfellas glorify being a gangster right Mm -hmm. and it's like well if you look at the plot of goodfellas no it doesn't because henry hill ends up like his life is destroyed and he loses everything you know like and it's it's a it's a lot big high and a huge low but like at the same time um i think martin scorsese makes looking like a gangster seem pretty cool and i think that's an issue with that movie you know and i feel the same you know people disagree anybody there's no person I mean, the movie does so much heavy lifting to make you care for the whales. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. there's, I don't think there's any, you have to be a sociopath to be like, you know, the, the thing that I want to be doing, I want to mm-hmm. be hunting those whales. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it literally mm-hmm. explicitly states that they're hyper intelligent creatures that feel more feelings than human beings yeah. do. But we you know, don't care anything at about the, that. At the end yeah. of the day, you know, at the end of the, yeah, I mean, that was, that was, fun. that was interesting. They're like, they're, yeah, they're smarter <laughs> than humans. They feel, you know, and, but at the end of the day, it is, it is a similar dynamic dynamic between Avatar 2 and Avatar 1, where it's like, these movies both have similar themes. In this movie, it's about like, uh, embrace the way of water and like, look, mm-hmm. there's sea creatures here that are like, you must respect their history. They're like humans. They're smarter. They're better than humans. And like to, to destroy them for, you know, eight ounces of brain juice, like is completely 
uh, horrifying. Uh, and then to also just have like an incredibly kick-ass action scene at the end where like, I don't, you know. I don't but they're that fighting good, against their oppressors. Yeah. They're, they're, they're fighting against the people who are threatening yes. to, to take down this beautiful relationship with nature. I well, don't you, think that. You, you seem to understand like my feeling of dissonance in the first film. So do you, No, do you I, I actually don't. I, actually, <laughs> I, I know I Rodrigo doesn't, but I'm saying Jeff did. So like I mean, it's, it's yeah. literally just the same feeling. It's That's the Nobby all. fighting I'm just saying against it's the, the same feeling. Yeah. Okay. These explosions wouldn't be happening if the humans weren't coming and trying to fuck shit up you right know? yeah like that's it, it it is a pure visceral response to that but i don't yeah i don't really feel it i don't even see the goodfellas connection too because that is more okay maybe to some degree yeah the idea of that's becoming a, bad, a mobster that's a bad but, example that's a bad example but, you know but like let's just yeah. sorry finish what you're saying but, so one yeah. thing that happens in this movie like you got to look at the things we're not really talking about and look at jermaine clement's character who was there on that boat and his entire vibe is like this is horrible, but <laughs> yeah. also, yeah. but also he is a scientist who is being like getting funding, I think from, from this company, like he is basically working in tandem with this. And that itself is like a whole other plot line about how science will basically like, will basically do evil things to justify its means at times. And scientists will do this, but it, a great, it's that a great, sort of... a great theme that was covered in the first movie. Yes. I mean, <laughs> Okay. Uh, was it uh, not? Was it not covered in the first movie? I think it was, right? Like that's what I'm saying. It was well, I not, felt, not I feel to like the, the same movie... extent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so Grace was kind of doing that. Whereas uh, here, I think it's Kairos more... were covered in the first Aristotle, Dave. Like it, that does, it, it feels so like oh, yeah. we, we covered check that off the list. Never have to have a story about that again. I do feel like he Jermaine's character you, you, okay, is, you can, is you can tell me it's okay to repeat stories, but then you can't you can't then dispute my assertion. It's doing that this it movie differently. The it's same, doing know. it differently. It, yeah, it's I think, doing it differently enough for you, yeah. and it wasn't different enough for me. That's all I'm saying. Okay, anyway, yeah, go but ahead. But no, acknowledge the difference is what I'm saying. And Jermaine Clement's <laughs> character is is genuinely like he is sick to his stomach the entire time. Like he is somebody who is wrestling with this. It is not, it's not the same as like the whole Navi project with Grace. Uh, what's her name and everything because Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. With Grace Augustine, because at least that one was like, okay, we are, we are learning about a new land. Like we're doing something here. It does seem like Jermaine Clement's character, like was basically like, yeah, I'm learning about this creature, but my, my entire existence is to destroy them. You know, like it is, he has sold his soul even further. And he is still, you know, he was still trying to live with it during the movie, which is also, he has a lot of great lines to you of like, you know, uh, what, what did he say at one point? It's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm over it or something. There, there are similarities, but I don't, it doesn't feel like so similar, like so exact to me, let, but more about sure. the end. I know you want to talk about the end. Well, but, let uh, me just do one more point on that real quick. Let me just try mm -hmm. to align a couple of things that you've pointed out as being problematic for you, Dave, because mm -hmm. I think they kind of align in, 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 in and, um, may add some cohesion, actually, if you look at it from a different perspective. So, you know, we have the military who's interested in basically colonialism, right? In this movie, they've decided unobtainium isn't even really the most important thing. We literally can't right. stay on Earth anymore. We're going to have yeah. to move all these people out of here and live here. Yeah, yeah. That's what the military is doing. They're like, hey, we got this eco-terrorist who is really a problem. Let's, let's uh, get... Korich out of deep freeze and bring him down here and see him if, see if he can kill off this dude. Korich is like, sweet. I wanted to kill this dude anyway because he <laughs> killed me. Uh, yep. Jake Jake goes, uh, ah, uh, I'm I'm the reason that they're attacking right here. So I'm gonna skedaddle uh in, in someplace else, try to hide. Korich goes, oh, he's out of here. The military is like, oh well, we don't 
need you to kill him. We're not going to give you resources, but he's got his team. So what does he do? He has to go and find these private whaling team to help him out. He doesn't have the military support. He's got these like these mercenaries, these guys who are out there just making money, killing whales, and he uses them. So it's not, it's, it literally is him going rogue, chasing Jake Sully and his family because he has this revenge bloodlust. So it, it really, it becomes two different things, right? It, it, the second part of the movie is like, Jake Sully has successfully fled from the military, but what hasn't happened is Korich has given up on his, revenge fantasy so he has to find this thing that is a different way that humans are raping this planet right it's a the the military and the colonialists are doing one thing over here but also private industry is fucking pandora in its own unique way for its own resource so the movie is, is making a, a a different if related point that like hey it's not just government and the military that do this it's also private business mm -hmm. and look look how awful that is so maybe these are pat obvious things to you which is certainly valid but i don't think they're the same thing repeated i think as davinder has pointed out they're related but different well my understanding was the uh in avatar one i i feel like it was a the company, it was a company that was like behind part of it. The, it was a company. The oh, Resources right. Development Administration. So right. maybe they used military contractors or something like that. But like, yeah, to me, like the difference is not that substantial. And the idea, like watching, honestly, the people, mm -hmm. thinking back to Avatar 1, right? Grace Augustine and uh, all, Michelle Rodriguez's character uh, and like all, a bunch of the other second, secondary characters in that movie kind of struggle with, like what their organization was doing and how it was being inhumane. Like that was way more effective to me than eight minutes of Jermaine Clement being on screen in this movie. Like that was a full long running, well-developed theme in avatar one that barely is mentioned in this movie, in my opinion. Right. So I, I, I can grant to you that like, they're trying to do like different things or it's a different spin on it. But for me, it felt like more of the same and less effective than the first one. So, um, but let's talk about the ending. Divindra. I mean, I cannot dispute that the final action sequence is one of the most badass things I've ever seen in my life. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. Um, with the whole, like the, just the design of the boats, like the, the whole huge thing, guys arm getting ripped off. I mean, it's like, and then, and then, yeah, as I, as I mentioned, like, um, Neytiri, like almost drowning, like with the water filling up, like that's yeah. terrifying. Set of, like, like yeah. if a movie had one of yeah. those sequences, it would be like incredible. Like it was worth the movie just for that. Yeah, sequence. And this movie contains and, several sequences yeah, several. like that too. So stacked up, um, you know. The the only yeah. thing there is some like narrative messiness there too of like the kids basically get captured twice too, which I'm like, <laughs> and, I don't know oh, why. And they even scene, comment on that. There's a scene yeah. one of the kids is like, why am I tied up again? I'm why like, am I here again? It's me. Yeah. This is me asking this question of the plot yeah. of this film. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's those things. It's those yeah. little things because like you gotta get characters in certain places and yada yeah. yada yada is gonna happen. Um but beyond that, like it's pretty badass. Like pretty yeah. I mean, badass all around. Unbelievable. Yeah. It, yeah, it, the the sequence when, I mean, first of all, just the boats themselves. Like, how do you even shoot that? The sequences where the boats are like hit a wave and everybody on the boat like f raises up in the air in slow motion and 
like all of the mechanisms, all the, the, the way the submarines work, the like crab, like armature articulated the crabs, yeah. unbelievable. The, just the way that they reload the harpoon in that one moment. I'm like, only James Cameron has the coolest reload. Yeah. It's just fucking rad. And the, 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 the whale is just like, Oh, Oh, you want to you want to harpoon me again? I have reflective armor, bitch. Like it <laughs> is. Oh, when, he, when the whale, whale, whale yeah. like angles himself, so, so yeah, they, like his head. Go, yeah, that's pretty. Well, they say we got to go underneath where there's no armoring. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. that's so rad. Yeah. Um, the, and, and and then when the the that whole uh, structure like goes, I mean, it's totally Titanic again, but mm-hmm. still rad. Like when it, it it tips over and people are going, you know, how did they do that? They do they have he must have that. He must have like that as a. It's set, like on a big you know? gimbal. The entire volume is on a gimbal, so they're tumbling and falling. I mean, there's so many moments in water where we're like saving people in water, and I don't know how how technological yeah. these are CG characters. It's just nuts. Nuts. It's wild that he he brings to mind both Titanic and the Abyss, like in the yeah. same final sequence. He was like, mm, okay, great, and, great, yeah, I love it. When and, then they, when, and, and then when when uh, I, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character like is able to like bring in the illumination into the boat, it's like very very beautiful. The wings, those w- yeah. those breathe the wings, wings yeah, the breathe uh, wing, like it's all yeah, it's uh, all very beautifully done. And and think, you know, yeah. and then of course you know losing their son hit me very very hard. I mm-hmm. I suspect it may have affected you guys as that well. That whole thing is rough. Yeah, uh, unbelievably unbelievable. Yeah, I mean that the, I mean I'm gonna cry just saying it. Sorry. Uh, that's the way Natiri responds to that is so guttural and so visceral. The way Man. when he says, I want to go home, mm-hmm. my daughter has said that in the hospital to me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I just want to go home. Yeah. Anyway, very powerful. But, um, and then like Natiri taking that and, and going pure feral rage and just mm-hmm. owning dozens of dudes. <laughs> like that whole sequence mm-hmm. was. Bonkers. There was a couple of moments where she did a thing and I was like, holy hell, like just taking a, you know, taking a guy and wrapping him in the bow and flipping him out. It's just like, ah, so yeah. rad. What did you guys think of the whole spider Quaritch relationship at the end? And mm-hmm. I do think it's a, it's a nice moment that Quaritch had, Navi Quaritch has where he like acknowledges that he actually gives a shit about spider. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, you know, and I, I think it's foreshadowing. Like, Mm-hmm. I, I think this what Spider was asked to do in this movie, like the actor, like I have no issues with the performance. It's like yeah. a really tough situation. But tough. I personally yeah. found that character yeah. to be as annoying as shit. Like it I, is, I just it was <laughs> probably the weakest part of the movie for me because yeah. first of all, you got this guy in loincloth just kind of wandering around everywhere. And like he is like an element of like from an 80s sci-fi movie yeah. where aliens. everything aliens. else feels more it's um, yeah. what's her name from aliens? The little kid from I mean, Aliens. Yeah, it's very much a little kid, but growing up in Aliens, is like you're a little too old to be doing this. Can you <laughs> some clothes. I'm a little worried about some of this. Um, yeah, but it's also that, and also Newt. Sorry, Newt from Aliens. Newt yeah. is very much Newt. The kid is kind of dumb too. He's like, okay, um, you know, recombination, recombinant core. It's just like, hey, just hang out with us. Does not quite realize like what he is doing with these people and like why they can't be trusted. And oh my, I'm actually helping them. That whole thing, I think, could have been explored better because obviously they're using you, kid. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe we're I'm just, just saying, taking this simple or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying if one human is able to destroy like $500 million of equipment, 
um, maybe restrain that person and don't let them go yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Like that's, that's all, that's all I'm suggesting. Whole, stop moving him set. around, stop oh, moving man. him around from place to place or chaining him up outside. Like just maybe he shouldn't be allowed to be around anymore. You know, the like whole set on that bridge, like all the actors on that bridge felt like we, we just got to collect all the, like um all the like extras, the people who are typically extras, because it's like, Nobody felt like they belonged on that ship. It just felt like they were they were really struggling to to uh, cast out that whole section. So at the end of the day, Quaritch saves Spider, and then Spider mm-hmm. saves Quaritch. And uh, I have a feeling Quaritch is going to be back, and the dynamic yeah. between him and Spider is going to play out again in Avatar Three. Is my guess, right? Um, but I guess say what you will about the tenets of avatar one, but at least the <laughs> battle between Quaritch and Jake Sully was an ethos. Like I felt basically what? I kind of ultimately I felt like that story was like, that was such a satisfying rivalry that yes, like yes. came to an end in avatar one. Very simple. And like, yeah. And Stephen Lang is awesome. And I love him in that role. And it's like now not only has it come back in this different weird way, but it's going to, they're going to like kind of extend it out. And it's, you know, it's kind of like taking a story that had an end, and like putting an and on it for me now for you guys mm-hmm. it obviously worked really well i mean me, it, I it like, is that's what it is but i'm interested in mm-hmm. that and like yeah. I, i'm yeah. interested in the consequences of that first battle because yeah good versus evil we've seen it so many times i think re-watching avatar uh you know earlier this month really brought to mind is like man i get why this movie was so popular but i do feel like we have matured so much in terms of storytelling and characterization and we don't need to do a pocahontas trip we we can move on beyond colonialist narratives and this movie i think is clearly doing a lot more. So I think that's why, yeah, even if some things feel familiar, I think what this movie is doing is just a lot more interesting on a personal level, like for these characters and what it's doing is more interesting. I do want to see what happens to Courage because I think this version of Courage is really interesting and I don't think it's just going to be the same in the next movie. He's not just going to be like, I got to kill Jake Sully. Right. It's going to be a little different. Like he, I, he is somebody who's learning. Yeah. I suspect his arc over whatever, however many films is going mm-hmm. to be Jake Sully's arc in the first movie. Yeah. Like yeah. we're going to see him, you know, uh, find the fact that he is a, a Navi uh, to be compelling in, in a certain way and him to sort of understand what's special about the Navi. I, I, I suspect that's where we're headed and I hope it's, it happens in an unexpected way. But I think mm-hmm. that that's, I think that that's kind of a cool way of looking at it. Like, you know, here we have Jake, you know, in the first movie, not intending to fall in love with this, these people, mm-hmm. but, but doing it. And here, and, and then we take that even a step further on a guy who actively hates them and has worked to destroy them. Maybe, maybe finding a way into understanding the, the beauty and, and, yeah. um, you know, importance. Of- I, I do think that'll be interesting. That, like if it does play out that way, that will be interesting to see, um, but yeah, this is part of that story, right? Yeah. It's not the whole story. Right. So, um, well, we're in a different, you know, uh, yeah. he set out, he's like, I got nine of these yeah, to make, I got none of the- <laughs> <laughs> It's an ongoing series now, you know? Yeah, but like I if each it, of them it. is, if each of them, br- the, honestly, my biggest bummer at the end was, was, by the way, the very end, like using the same shot again and then the late mm-hmm, title card, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. And I hope the whole, mm, all the, all yeah, the series like, does that. Like close up on the face, right? It's the same way, I, I, opening I the eyes. Say, like, it was very moving when they like put their son into the water and then he's like Ugh. enveloped by all those like Ugh. sea plants. Me, like man. it was very yeah. lovely, you know, like a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But anyway, my, my, my biggest bummer at the end was like, this is my home now. And I was like, Oh no, man, you gotta go to, go to the, go to snow Navi. And, and you know, like I want to see more. Lava Navi. Yeah. 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 Come on, buddy. Like, land of fire, this, home. land of air. They're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Um, well, hey, uh, I'm really grateful that you guys have <laughs> been willing to hear some of my yeah. concerns, like issues. My movie, how the turns know? have tabled. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, I went into this movie like what, like part of like a huge part of me is rooting for James Cameron. Like, yes, he's going to prove everyone wrong, and like. And, and and I think according to the critical reception so far, he has like people yeah, yeah. love this. Movie, everyone so. but you, apparently. <laughs> not every, exactly. not everyone, but me. I, but like, yeah. yes. I, I I genuinely, I mean, I have texted people that I know didn't like the first movie, and I'm like, this yeah. one's gonna win you. I think I this think is gonna turn around a lot of people. Yeah, who, I think this is a better like, yeah. better movie than the first than the first Avatar, and I hold the first Avatar is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, mm. I, you know, I think this is. I think this is, I mean, mm-hmm. present company notwithstanding, I think this is going to really uh, make people fall in love with this world in a way that even if they didn't fall in love with the first one, you know, mm-hmm. they can. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I'll say, I wish um, I didn't really like the score for the first Avatar. And they kind of, it's uh, it's somebody different this time, kind of using the themes from the first movie. That's all I want. I want like a beautiful sweeping Avatar score to kind of match what I'm seeing because what we're getting is like, it's good. There's some good stuff. I think the theme, the theme of like when bad shit is happening, it's just like all low notes. And it's like, okay, that, that feels good, but there's nothing truly iconic here. I just rewatched the woman King and I'm like, man, this is a good score. This is a something that's getting me riled up about this world. So that's something I hope to see in the future movies. Uh, yeah. I mean, just for the record, I mean, I, here's what, I, first of all, Simon Franklin wrote the music for this movie. Yeah. I think here's what I'm realizing doing this review is I liked Avatar one a lot more than Devinder Hardware. That's kind yeah. of like, we know that. We know that. And, I, and for the record, the movie in Avatar one is incredible. In my opinion, like the James music, Horner, yeah. Wrote the music for that. He's obviously a legendary composer. He did Titanic and many other movies. I love the score for Avatar. I've listened to it many, many times since then. It's one of my favorite scores of all time. This one felt very derivative and not memorable by comparison. Yeah, in my I I agree. You know, it still feels very derivative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I the thought Avatar one score is amazing. Like, all, like, yeah. like when I'm watching the trailer for Avatar two, The Way of Water, like it uses a lot of the themes from Avatar one, and like mm-hmm. I get chills when I hear like the main theme of Avatar one in the trailer for Avatar two, and the mute the actual score for Avatar two, like really doesn't lean heavily on that. In my opinion, no, it tries no. to do other things, and I don't think it's as interesting. I think my thing is it sounded like too many other James Horner scores, like for certain composers, like when. You can't differentiate kind of their melodies. It, it gets kind of hard, but yeah, if you dug yeah, it, teach, teach their own, you know, teach their own. Um, but yeah, this is really revealing. This is really revealing a lot about our feelings about Avatar, and that's that's fine. So, um, all right. 700 episodes, almost all of them, revealing in some way our feelings about Avatar. 100%. 100%. It's really what this all is. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, and we've spent a decade without Avatar. Now we're going to spend a decade with, with too much Avatar. <laughs> When is the next one supposed to come out? Uh, Two years? Yeah. Camp, uh, yeah, in 2020, two years from now, basically. (gasps) I can't believe it. Because a lot of stuff has been shot. It's so amazing. Yeah. But I, yeah, a lot of it has been shot. I, uh, the the thing is, here's the thing. And what's so amazing, we're in Schrodinger's Avatar box office right now, right? Like, (laughs) if, if, um, you know, how well this movie does in the next month is going to determine whether there's going to be an Avatar 4 and 5. Right, like, yeah, Avatar three is probably gonna ha- like. I'd be shocked if they didn't release Avatar three because they've already started working on it. Yeah, but um, Avatar four and five are not sure things, and how well this movie does will determine it. And we at the as of this recording, we have no idea how well it's gonna do. 
Yeah. By the mm-hmm. time you're listening to this, they'll probably know. Uh, like, they'll have a pretty good idea of how yeah. well it's going to do. As of um, September, Cameron has said, principal photography for Avatar 4 has already begun. So mm. he's, yeah, he's right. betting before it's been greenlit. You got to get Maybe. those kids before they end out. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I want to say one, one quick thing. I, I recently rewatched uh, Willow, uh, the, the original movie, the Ron Howard movie. And, um, you know, it, it's so funny to me what constituted an effects movie back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Like there are <laughs> tens of minutes, you know, like a, uh-huh. an hour of that movie with not a single effect shot in it. Yeah. Not you a single visual I mean? effect. It's mostly like yeah. special effects. Obviously. Like no, 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 the, no. I mean, the, well, yeah, yeah. hair and makeup, I guess you would. Yes. That's what but, I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah. yes, but there's no <laughs> like digital no positing. Yeah, there's no, yeah. you know, the, and and it's that was a big effects movie in the in, yeah. for its time, you know, big fantasy effects movie. Yeah, I, uh, I had a Willow like art book at the time. With, like, oh yeah, big, big big screenshots and stuff. Man. There's like you know there, you can count on uh, two hands the number of like uh, visual effects shots in that movie. And Avatar literally has no not effects shots. In it. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, crazy. Um, well, folks. Uh, I'm, again, I just want to say I'm really grateful to you guys for listening to my complaints. Really grateful for the audience for for putting up with me as well. I mean, I think. In, in the case of this movie, the, the love is overwhelming for this movie. And I just want to stand in the back corner and say, hey, you know, a couple people didn't you like it as much. You just want to recede into the bushes. A couple people yeah. didn't like it as much. And that's okay. We all, we all still like each other, you know. But every party needs a pooper, Dave. Indeed. indeed. But at the end of the day, folks, I think we can all agree it's really impressive that James Cameron made a sequel to Avatar. It sure is. And I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, well, folks, uh, thank you so much for listening to our conversation. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. And also find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. The opening music for The Filmcast is brought to you by Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his new band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper was brought to you by filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwood. Next week on the podcast, you know, we pulled an audible for our 700th episode and we decided to review Avatar instead, uh, displacing Bones and all. Well, a lot of people wrote in, they're like, hey, I can't believe Bones and all was done dirty like we this. We need our Bones and all. Yeah. We need yeah. our Bones and all. We've been so, waiting 13 years for Bones and all. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be doing Bones and all next week for our uh, main review. So you can look forward to that. Uh, a lot of stuff to wrap us up this year. Uh, a lot of After Dark stuff we're going to be talking about as well. Uh, but s- keep tuned into the Filmcast, and uh, we'll see you next week. 